walks down like the hallway in this like blouse with a yellow plaid like schoolgirl yeah, skirt yeah, on yeah, it or whatever yeah. it's imprinted in my brain until the day <laughs> i die if i if alicia silverstone wants to bang when she's 92 i'm there <clears throat> i'll end my family <laughs> all right i might cut that last little part out all right, that seems like the, a good idea no so the funny part is about a year and a half later as her career is taking off because of how unbelievably hot she looked in that movie and she was you know okay actor comedy actor or whatever but like so then I find out she's in this next Batman movie coming oh, out. Oh, yeah, that's Batman right. and Robin. Yeah, holy shit. Now, if you guys don't remember, the hands down the worst fucking Batman movie ever made. <laughs> it's so stupid. So many, like, I think uh, that was the one where Arnold Schwarzenegger was the freeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Dr. Freeze. I'll freeze all the cast. Had what? a great cast. Uma Thurman was uh, Poison Ivy. Yeah, yeah. Uma Thurman was Poison Ivy. He was Doctor Freeze, and then there was it was uh, Jim Carrey was the Riddler. In no, that, that one? that's that's Batman Forever. That was that was the one right before that. No, All right. That's Either a way, good one. the whole premise was stupid. Uma Uma Thurman. George Clooney's Batman was not great. Yeah, no. George Clooney's. Um, yeah, he was okay in a couple of things, but whatever. He wasn't a good. He wasn't a good Batman. And then I remember being like, Dad. Dad, we gotta go see this movie. It's like, why? It's, I just love Batman so much. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all so that I could see Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl in the bat suit. And I gotta be honest, I was a little underwhelmed. All right, the bat suit didn't do for her what that yellow skirt did for her. And I learned an important <laughs> life she lesson. She covered it up with the. No, it's just, I, I think. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think just it was like the spandexiness of it or whatever. I just it didn't work for her the same way. I don't what know. about the the, the 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 tits on the <laughs> the, the Batman outfit had uh, nipples? <laughs> yeah, it did. That actually, was, it was famous for the correctly. nipples. Yeah, yeah. But it was not hers. Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, man, yeah, the man Batman. ones had nipples. Had <laughs> yeah, nipples on it. Yeah, and I got excited watching the movie. I was like, wait, if Batman's suit has nipples on it, then. Obviously, yeah. Batgirls will, and that I was so maybe that's why I was disappointed. She finally revealed herself, and I was like, "Where's the nipples?" <laughs> Damn it! I feel so ripped. Dad, we're leaving. <laughs> All right. I think my pop culture crush was uh, the earliest one was like Saved by the Bell, Tiffany, or uh, what the hell's her name? Not Tiffany. What the fuck? The her stylish name? one. The actress's name is like Tiffany something. Um, she's Kelly Kelly Kapoor, or the, Kelly. Oh, uh, that was AC Slater's girlfriend. No, oh, yeah, Kelly was the tall one who was AC Slater's girlfriend who did eventually do drugs. Who's I saw one, that episode. Who's one was Zach? Who was dating Zach? Oh, maybe that was Kelly Kapoor. Wasn't that Kelly Kapoor? No, but I get what you're saying. I had a little mini crush on her, too. The brunette. You know, it was like a hot, pretty yeah, brunette. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's like Tanner. Yeah, yeah. 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 Michael? <laughs> you're going to be really surprised by this. It's Princess Diana. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I had I remember before or after the crash. You're listening to Laughing Historically with Adam Lax, Adam Coonan, and Dr. History Scholar. Welcome to Laughing Historically. I'm your host, Adam Lax, and on the ones and twos, we got Adam Coonan, and Dr. History Sage Scholar, the 
fiftieth. The fiftieth. You know, you wow. moving fast well, because time like, and space. Yeah, time is a wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing, and because you're Doctor Sayskala, you move through it. <laughs> yeah. You move through time you at your own going, speed, pace, and direction. Is it okay if I start wearing fezes? Because fezes are cool. Yeah, you could wear fezes. You okay. Do cool. whatever yeah. you want. Okay. Only if it. Only if your fez is uh, uh, accompanied by ash, assless chaps. Uh, you gotta. <laughs> mm. you I don't know. think I can. I don't think we, I can agree to that. Can we You've never see that episode of Futuristic? Was <laughs> that? <laughs> <laughs> we can make Doctor Sage historic scholar uh, needs to look weird historic. Or weird yeah. futuristic. No. Yeah, like Bill, not a science guy, but like with just like little patches of scimitars and stuff all over you. Okay. Maybe yeah. not Bill Nye. He didn't look weird. Who am I thinking of? Bill Nye looked a little weird. Yeah, he I wore his bow ties. Yeah, but... D- yeah. Like we're, we're I'm getting all my childhood like memories of television all mixed up together. Wasn't there like a... Maybe I'm thinking of Inspector Gadget. Are you thinking of, are you thinking of Miss a tr- Frizzle? A trench coat? From- You'd be a good Miss Frizzle. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. true. Will you take me on your magic school bus, please? Uh, I no. would like to explore the inside of the human body. <laughs> Particularly this yeah, one. Yeah, I want to get one all up in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, all right, everybody, get on the magic school bus. Today we'll be doing sexual educations. What, Miss Frizzle? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> To all the most sensitive spots. <laughs> Today we're going to find the G spot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like like shot through a dick in a little school bus. Uh, <laughs> bus, all the kids. Ah, why are we surrounded by goo? <laughs> it's going to be a long day, uh, ladies gonna, and gentlemen. Is it going to be a long day? It's going to be a long day. We're feeling it today. School bus reference. It's great. Take us on your magic school bus yeah, on this yes, day in history. Yes, take us through this yeah. day in history. So, yeah. So, today is July 2nd. Okay. Uh, and this is our 10th episode. All so, right. this is, this is a, I think, a big deal. Okay. So, first... 10th episode. Yes. Okay. Doctor, so, just for the listeners, Doctor, Doctor Scholar shade. asked us to do this. Yeah. Well, I, I, need that, I, need that, I need that later. There's, oh. there's, I'm gonna, I'll, 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 I'll cue you in. Okay. Right. Give me a little wink. Yeah. No, 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 no. I like oh, it when no, it's no. unexpected. Yeah, actually. <laughs> so on this day, in, on July second, eighteen eighty one, uh, Charles J. Guiteau shoots and mortally wounds President James A. Garfield. Uh, he does this, believing Don't you hate Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he, he shot him. He's like, I hate Mondays. <laughs> Quick, put lasagna on it. <laughs> Stupid. Is it, who shot me? Was it all this? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. Dumbass entry joke I've done so far. <laughs> How many times? James I, Garfield's I ghost is in his just like, funny. another fucking Garfield to catch him. I was president, goddammit! <laughs> <laughs> So the reason the reason this guy shoots Gar- uh, the president is because he believed that he had been promised the post of Secretary of State. Now it's really important to note that he hadn't, mm-hmm. and this man uh, clearly had some kind of mental illness. Yeah. Uh, like he published a letter in the in the newspaper, being like, "I shot." president garfield and like called on general sherman who's the general in chief to stage a coup to like release him from jail he didn't um but this does lead to civil service reform like mm-hmm. that that is the upswing like we didn't we because americans in 1881 didn't understand mental illness enough to be like mm-hmm. well that guy was just they were like well, he was a disgruntled office seeker 
he really wanted the post of Secretary of State, and then he shot someone because he thought he was des- he deserved it. So we need to like fix this. That was that was our takeaway was civil service reform from from this. So so so, <laughs> so so when someone gets shot in public, it means we need to fix things. Uh, it, <laughs> like Walmart, <laughs> you know, like, gun violence should lead to reform. Yeah, wow, uh, holy <laughs> shit, what a weird concept. It is. Man. Weird. They were really onto something back then. You know, uh, wow. It looks like we need to reform WalMarts and schools <laughs> mm-hmm. and Kmart's and basically every open public space and also movie theaters. Movie theaters, yeah. Uh, so in eighteen gay nightclubs, I had to say it. I had to say it. <laughs> In 1890, the U.S. Congress passed the Sherman Antitrust Act, which is still on the books, uh, which makes it illegal to have a monopoly. So, you know, watch out, Amazon. Um, (laughs) And then in 1921, Warren G. Harding signed the Knox-Porter Resolution, which formally ended the state of war between the United States and Germany for World War I. Since we failed to ratify the Treaty of Versailles, we were technically Uh, at war with Germany for an extra two years. so that's fun. And now, now, Adams, I need the air yes. Go. <laughs> On this day, 160 years ago, in 1863, <laughs> the hero of the podcast, the man, the meme, the legend, oh, Dan the Man Sickles, <laughs> lost his leg at Gettysburg. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. All right. The fucking leg scene around the world. You know what I mean? At the Smithsonian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do they have like, his legs still? I, I don't. I think they do. I they don't think they display a place of honor. <laughs> that should be. <laughs> well, and I, told, I, I remember telling in that episode that he took people to the Smithsonian to see it, and he was mad that they'd taken the foot bone off. Yeah. That it was just as. Just like the femur. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Like the beginning of that song, the foot bone leads to the... <laughs> I think Dan Sickles, like, lost his leg, and a few years later, he was, like, talking to, like, you know, some, like, school or college or something. Like, oh, oh, Mr. Sickles, uh, like, how bad was it once you lost your leg? And he was like, ah, it wasn't that bad. And then he whipped his dick out and said, God gave me a third. <laughs> so I've been good so far. Uh, now High I- fives the president. <laughs> Double guns, the fucking judge. Uh, so I do have two corrections from okay. previous episodes. All right. So You're the never first wrong. Uh, you know, uh, this yeah. is so one unprecedented. Yeah, I gotta say to the audience, it's actually because there was um, what you might call a paradox in the time space. <laughs> so we're in yeah, the wrong timeline. Right now. Go on. Yeah. All, all I was, uh, you know, one of them was, uh, you know, Lax, you corrected me. Uh, one, there had been, there was a Rockefeller in the Senate up to 2015. Uh, John Rockefeller the fourth. Uh, he he was senator from West Virginia. So. I was incorrect when we were talking about Rockefellers back in the Jay Gould, Gordon Gordon episode. Why can't they just chill? Like, if you have a billion dollars, why do you care about anything? Well, I mean, you know, it, 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 there's, you know, uh, you remember Professor Myers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, one of our professors, we're just going to exclude you here, Lance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of our professors at a real school was smart <laughs> people. <laughs> <laughs> He he always said, you know, there's a something he would say is there's a cynical and non-cynical way of viewing most things, mm. and you know, so the cynical way is like, you know, we wish to control the world. The non-cynical way is is you know, you could you can make the the case that like someone who has billions of dollars and is like, I don't have to work, and my my wealth is so secure that like even if you know 
the wildest dreams of of senators uh, uh, from Massachusetts. What's her name? Warren. Warren. Like the wildest dreams of Warren or or Sanders. Like the Rockefellers would still be fine mm. after the, yeah, any yeah, yeah. any one of those taxes gets passed. Yeah, fucking so, anybody no, so, less than Lenin and the Rockefellers would be fine. <laughs> so, but so you can imagine a scenario, right, where someone who's in that space who says I don't have to actually do any work and like I have a lot might feel a call to like public service by virtue of the fact that like I can do this and like it's not taking away like I'm not if I lose it's not that big of a deal mm. and and I don't have to be beholden to special interests and so forth. Does this I, I explanation say- cover Trump? I feel like no, that's because, that's because, that, that is because Trump's wealth isn't that secure, right? Yeah, like no, it's not, he, it's not really true. generational. That's true. Um, like his dad was kind of well off, but like not Rockefeller, not wealthiest man in history. Yeah. yeah wealth, yeah. which is what John D. Rockefeller has. Like, mm-hmm. again, if you exclude Mansa Musa, John D. Rockefeller is the wealthiest man who ever lived. Um, they will never run out of money, right? Whereas, like, there's a really good chance that Donald Trump has no money. That is all lies. We can fucking yeah, hope. Yeah, we yeah, can let's fucking let's hope. not go down that rat hole. So, oh, no, no, but, but the, the other thing I was going to say, because the reason I, it's like, I get it. You mm-hmm. have billions of dollars or whatever, and you're like, oh, I, I would like to leave the world better than mm-hmm. I entered it, right? Yeah. And I have billions of mm-hmm. dollars, so I'm obligated to do it. But, like, I, you know, and I talk about this a little bit, but I have a pretty somewhat, uh, uh, God damn it, Adam, again. <laughs> Sorry. Just, he can't keep his hands off the pole. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> That's how but, he makes his living. Yo. <laughs> but I have, uh, I have some experience in, like, the nonprofit world. And honestly, if some billionaire just, like, sets up a foundation and puts all of their effort and time into, like, I don't know, creating a network of schools across Uganda or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Great. Great, great, great. But Senator, yeah. you're like, ah, you know who should represent the common man? Yeah. Me. Yeah. A billionaire. Well, like, and he was the senator from West Virginia. Yeah. It just got... It's like, uh, almost yeah, like you want to just lock him in a coal mine uh, for a couple of months yeah. to just like, you know... And, and you know, it is... and. Uh, you know, I don't think you're wrong uh, necessarily. It's just it, it's it again. It is really interesting that like probably three of the largest like reformers in in terms of presidents, like three of the most reforming presidents, are the two Roosevelts and and Kennedy, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. are all products of extreme wealth, mm-hmm. who who do end up being genuinely popular yeah. amongst working class people because. Well, Even the though three, they never did the, those things. The thing that the three of them all have in common is they had very particular life experiences oh, yeah. that no, created true. created a bond yeah, that they had with and, regular yeah. working people. And with FDR, it was the fact that he got sick. Mm-hmm. So he had to spend a lot of time in these like rehab facilities yeah. and stuff with like regular people who were mm-hmm. just like... Normal like, people who yeah, had they're polio. Like, I was an yeah. auto mechanic for 20 years, and now I have polio, and I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wait, so you worked your ass off your whole life and then got polio, and now you're fucked or whatever? Yeah. Like, we should do something yeah, about yeah. that. And, and TR, it was very much like he went west and yep. lived rough for a while. Mm-hmm. And with Kennedy, he was a swift boat captain, right? Or yeah. not swift boat. PT uh, boat. Uh, PT but boat. Same, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same concept. So it was war. like they kind of just got, like, life forced them into these situations mm-hmm. where they had to hang out with, like, regular people, regular mm-hmm. dudes, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And they're like, these guys rock. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how they, like, you know how our friends judge you all the time and are like, will stab you in the back and like, don't actually care about you. 
Turns out that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out there's this actual thing called friendship that I've never found out about before, and uh, I like him a lot. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, have, you I have a second correction, though. Okay. Uh, and that is George III didn't have syphilis. <gasps> he, he he had some sort of mental illness. Apparently, that's like a lie that he had syphilis. Uh, he either had uh, porphyria, which is a, a, a disease that might cause uh, like dementia and so mm-hmm. forth. The other option is that he simply had a mental illness then they didn't diagnose it some of the historians think he might have had like bipolar hmm. um because apparently he there's a sentence that he wrote out that's 400 words long <laughs> and they're like that seems like he it's like you would see that in the manic stage mm. of yeah so it's 400 uh, words as somebody who long. dated some goth girls in the early 2000s yeah yeah you'll you'll get a 400 word sentence from a day <laughs> so so are we ready for are we ready for our 10th episode um, adam are you ready i'm for locked in i'm wait, ready wait wait so i actually pressed the wrong one <laughs> all right that one's better <laughs> i i have titled this one tr's rebirth Oh, we're that's doing why he's wearing Roosevelt the goes. shirts. Yeah. All right, I'm very excited. I'm very so, excited. So, at the end of our last episode on Theodore Roosevelt, which was episode six, uh, he had endured the terrible twin disaster of having his wife and mother die on the same day. "Quote: The light has gone out of my life." End quote. He had written. In this episode, we will cover the period from 1884 to 1897, which was a time where Roosevelt buried his personal demons, came to national prominence, and laid the groundwork for his later presidency. So, part one, the dude from New York. <laughs> the dude? The dude well, no, but at the time, dude, dude was like, it was specifically yeah. a cowboy thing. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. wouldn't just call anyone dude. You would. Well, it, yeah. So, in order for this rebirth, for this recovery, this renaissance, he would need a retreat, a place he could go to be away from his pain. He discovered it in the Dakota Territory. He had made a hunting trip out to, the, uh, to Dakota while he was married to Alice. The goal had been to shoot a buffalo, um, which he succeeded. Now, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I think but he only sh- got one. Right, but shooting a buffalo is not fucking hard. Yeah, like they just stand there, and like I, oh, I forget what the movie is, but I watched it with my old man when I was younger, and it was like, there's a meme. You ever see the meme where it's the guy with blonde hair, and it's slowly, slow. It's like a mountain man, and it slowly mm-hmm. zooms up on yeah. him, and he just yeah. nods. Yeah, it's from that movie. I forget okay. what the yeah. fucking like, but he um. He basically like sneaks up on a herd of buffalo by just standing behind his horse because his horse just like walks up and mm-hmm. I was like, Dad, can't the buffalo like tell that that horse has six legs? And he's like, Buffalo can't count. They're dumb as shit. <laughs> and then he shoots one and it falls down and the rest just stand there. Yeah. And then he shoots another one. Like they like they're really not smart animals. No, yeah. But they're very mean. They and, are mean. And very hard to domesticate. Yeah. No, like we've can't. only recently done it. Like really? apparently yeah. we've recently domesticated and like at the end of the 20th century, beginning of the 21st century, recently. You just gave him the COVID vaccine. And- Apparently. Um, so now, now that he's out... <laughs> what? What? It just, everybody knows it messes up their pineal gland and they get... Shut 5G. up, Alex. 5G. 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 Shut up, Alex. Did you just make that up? 
That's a real part of the brain. I don't believe it. <laughs> it's I, the pineal I, gland. It's right there. All right, whatever. Okay, Alex. Listeners, listeners, so now, I need you to vindicate me and tell these two assholes that the pineal gland is a real thing. Good neuroscientist. Yeah. So, so I know a little bit about a lot of things. <laughs> One of them is the fucking pineal gland. All right, moving on. So he in, he now intended to become a rancher, not a cowboy. He employed cowboys, but he owned a ranch. Uh, uh, he also intended to reorganize his life as a bachelor politician. So I truly believe that he never intended to remarry, uh, to remarry, and that he believed that his one chance at love and happiness had come and gone. Like he's very depressed. This sounds like the beginning of City Slickers. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the guy? The the, the, oh, the it was the the guy who was like the badass that they had to follow on the trail yeah, and they become friends with. It was like Rusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Rusty Nails or whatever. Yeah. The fuck is oh, that's funny. So, did, did Teddy Roosevelt? Uh, uh, who's the lead actor in that movie? Oh, um, Billy Crystal. Yeah, did he look like Billy Crystal, you think? Do you think him and Billy Crystal <laughs> got along? A little bit. Maybe. A little bit, you take yeah. away those glasses. And that mustache. And, that, yeah. and give Billy Crystal what looks to be like a lot of testosterone injections. <laughs> like a lot. So, for, for the sake of our listening audience, I, I'm not going to give a detailed chronology of what he did out in the Dakotas, uh, in part because a lot of it is the mundane business of building a functioning life. Uh, but also because he goes back and forth between Dakota and New York, um, and that that makes the narrative that would make the narrative either so too wait, long or too. Who was he with out there? No, uh, he had a couple he was of ranch alone? hands. He yeah, was he just... was alone most of the time. He he brought with him uh, two guys who had been he'd known who had been logging men in Maine. Um, he'd been. Uh, They'd been loggers in Maine, and he had met them when he was younger. He'd gone up to Maine to, like, go hiking and such. Um, and he convinced them to become cowboys, uh, which they, they're like, we don't know. Like, we can't ride horses. And he's like, we'll figure it out. Is there a lobster like, in South Dakota? Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they were just like, and they're like, fine, whatever. Um, but, yeah, most of the time he's by himself. Like, he leaves Alice, his daughter, with his sister. Like she's not out there with him. Mm. Well, yeah, but that'd be insane. It would have been. It yeah, would. Yeah, I mean, it probably would have been. What but did, yeah. What did he tell his daughter? He's like, "Daddy's got to go be alone." Well, I mean, in he, the middle she of was an infant, so he didn't yeah. tell her anything. All right. Yeah, um, okay. And so instead, what I'm going to do is just give you some of the the best anecdotes from his time out west. Um, so let's begin with the title of this part. So the uh, the dude. So in the 19th century, the word dude meant a dandy, a fop. It's derived from the phrase Yankee Doodle Dandy. So that's where that comes from. A fop. Doodle? Yeah, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah, it's same. Yeah, it's like a fop. Isn't that, isn't that like slang for gay? No, I mean, now dandy it might be, but. Or fop? Mm. No, but Dandy was more like. Dandy was like uh, if you were like a very, very noble. A playboy? Yeah, like, yeah. No, a bit. But not even a playboy, just more like you were really into like being very clean and very well dressed and very like flashy with your clothing like it was it's sort of metrosexual so not, not it, yeah gay. yeah so like imagine no. imagine like uh you know in in more modern uh clothing it would be like the person at the yacht club wearing their khaki shorts and their polo shirt with their sweater tied right, around their right. neck mm. a right. bro yeah yeah yeah, that would a be country club, bro. Yeah, yeah, that would be like a that that would be the the modern equivalent of a fop. Okay. Um, so Roosevelt certainly looked the part of a dude. Uh, he wore a buckskin suit made up for him by Brooks Brothers in Manhattan. Uh, 
Uh, he wore sir- silver and pearl enameled pistols. He had glasses, which were always near, almost always in, in his pince-nez, right? So, like, uh, that's the, it's like a monocle, but for both of your glasses. Oh, so, sure, they're sure, attached sure. to a chain that will be attached to his clothing. And which what's, it's what's a, so a pince-nez is the chain? No, it's the name of the type of glasses oh. uh, and, and, and being a part of that. I, I'm just confused about what his motive was for just, like, playing cowboy out in the West. Oh, he'd wanted to be a cowboy for, like, the last 10 years. And part of the reason he hadn't done it before was that Alice had no intention of moving to, to the Dakotas. She's like, he'd mentioned it to her, and she's like, no, I don't want to go out there. Like, we have a really nice life here. No. Um, and so, you know, and, and the other thing is, is that he wanted to do, there's a quote from him at this time that's like, again, black hair rarely sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough. The idea that he could like outrun his depression and he couldn't do that out East. I guess, I guess Uh, it's better than drugs. Yeah. Um, so, 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 you know, I feel like there's a few schools of thought on that. Uh, you know, like for instance, drugs don't make you, I don't know, steal the native territory of an entire people, right? Like drugs don't do that. Depends on the kind of drugs. That's fair. That's fair. The cocaine, that'll do it. That'll do it. But like, uh, no, 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 but like, uh, it's weird that, that, it, it, I don't want to insult him, but Mm -hmm. it sounds like he's just like, Dude, I, I'm just like trying to get out of my life. Like, oh, this absolutely. is just like an escapist kind oh, of. Oh, it is. It, uh, it's 100% yeah, what it he's is. He's just out there playing cowboy. It, I, don't, I mean, honestly, I've done that in my life. Not not a, so much escape, but just being like, you know what? Like, I want to forge a mm-hmm. different identity for myself. So I'm going to leave where I am. I'm going to leave everyone behind. I'm going to like figure out, you know, how to like make it. The, the, the thing that I find so funny is it's so obviously like bourgeois mm-hmm. fucking yeah, it's yes. like bourgeois cowboyness yeah. where it's just like ah hello mr cowboy i need, I need my custom made yeah. cowboy outfit from brooks brothers <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> rides up. the experience you know authentic he rides up every cowboy there has been shitting in holes yeah. for the last two years and there's like is your coat worth more than everything i own <laughs> yeah. holy shit Are, why is there you realize you have to fire those pistols, right? You have to clean them. They're going to get real dirty. Why? They're going to just get busted. Like, what the fuck? It's like you're LARP- LARPing. For, so, uh, so very much it's, like it's, LARPing. It's, yeah. so, it's so, like when those really rich people get all their fucking Proud Boy gear on or whatever, yeah. and then they just get hit in the face the first time. And they're like, oh, fuck, this is real. Like, I'm not pretending this anymore. Yeah. So I, th- I like that you guys have laid this groundwork because my next sentence is, uh, he didn't act like a dude. He worked alongside all of his ranch hands. Like, he did all of the work of being a cowboy. Uh, As Ada Donald put it in her book, he, quote, ate dust, lived in the saddle, sometimes for 40 hours straight, and rode hard, end quote. And although the cowboys thought it was funny that he would say things like, quote, hasten forward there, end quote. (laughs) In this high... Hello, my fellow (laughs) rapscallions. Yeah, it's the it's the uh, it's the uh, the Steve Buscemi hello fellow kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and he, and he, he didn't had have the dialect down. He didn't have saying. it, but he but he had this high pitched, somewhat squeaky voice too. Right, yeah. he doesn't have a, like a deep resonant voice. Uh, but they, <laughs> it's even better. It's just like yeah, it's just high. hey there, fellow travelers, mm-hmm. y'all ready to hit the old dusty trail? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
but they they respected his toughness. Roosevelt wasn't the best at any of the aspects of being a cowboy, but he did everything with great cheer. He even went on one of the big cattle drives from Texas to Kansas, riding as many as 50 miles in a day, getting less than four hours of sleep, and he needed nothing but beans. Not only was he able to do it, he seemed to enjoy it, even thrive on it. This shouldn't be surprising given that quote that I said earlier, black hair rarely sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough. So, like, he is playing at being a cowboy, but the thing with Roosevelt is that he always played 110%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's right? not fucking around. So, so even though there's, a, there's another anecdote in here that, or, that I found that I didn't put into the script that also demonstrates this. He has a lot of money at this point uh, because... Uh, both of his parents have now passed away, so he's got a lot of inherited wealth, and at, and he's trying to build up a cattle uh, herd. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he's talking with some guy who's a agent out of St. Paul, and and he goes, you know, how many cattle do you have? And the agent's like, well, I've got this many thousand or whatever. And Roosevelt goes, well, how much would that be? He's like, oh, twelve thousand dollars or whatever. It's this large sum of money in mm-hmm. the yeah, 1880s. Yeah. And Roosevelt just pulls out his checkbook and buys them. Yeah, yeah, just like right then and there, and the guy's like, "Are you sure you want to think?" And he's like, "No, nah, I'm good." Like, you know, so he's he's definitely trying to like put it all. He's putting it all out there, mm-hmm, as it okay. were. Yeah. Um, now, how this, much would how, the twelve? How, sorry, uh, how much would twelve thousand dollars have been for him though? It's I mean? it's like it would. It's a, not an insubstantial. Like, okay. spoiler alert: being in the Dakotas bankrupts him. Oh, okay. uh, he, 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 I was going to say, because like, people used to get pissed at Michael Jordan all the time, be like, could you believe he made a bet for $35,000? And at the time, every shoe in the world that's getting sold, he yeah. gets like 0.5% yeah. off. He's like, I could do that 500 times a day for the next 80 years, yeah. and it would never, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know if it was like, oh, I'm whatever, like it doesn't matter. How old was he at that time? Uh, he's not that old. He's in his mid-20s. Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah no, because he was born in 1859. His wife dies in, like, 1886. He's, like, 27, 26, oh, 27 okay. years old. Perfect time for drugs. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just finding himself in the Dakotas. Yeah. <laughs> we taking a trip down to Tijuana for any reason? Just, just wondering. <laughs> He's just missing the peyote. <laughs> I've become Native American. Uh, I love their ceremonies. I want to do them once a week, maybe twice. Three times a week. Uh, do, do Brooks Brothers make the those indigenous? <laughs> <laughs> he shows up to like a, he shows up to like an ayahuasca ceremony or whatever, but like with like a Brooks Brother made ayahuasca pipe. Or is that is that a ruby in that? Yeah, let's smoke. Let's do it. So this was the, this was the first time that he'd ever really lived and worked alongside men who were of a significantly different social class, who were at the same time his friends. Um, so he'd met these kinds of men in Albany uh, who'd been working class, but they tended to be Tammany toughs and were not exactly his bosom buddies, right? They wanted to, like, throw him in a bag and beat the shit out of him. Mm. Um, so these experiences created in his mind the idea that nobility and hard work were not the birthright of aristocrats, right? Huh. Uh, yeah, oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Again. And suddenly his world shattered. <laughs> he had to rethink everything. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Wait. Hey. Guys, like, there was that awkward conversation around the fire that one night. It was like, it's like dropping peyote, and yeah. that's his, like, realization. Hey, hey, guys, like, you consider yourselves, like, good and noble? Like, yeah, I guess. 
huh. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, where'd you come from? The guy's like, well, my daddy owned a chicken farm. It's just like, and you think that you can like achieve things? <laughs> Well, yeah, shit, I guess. Jesus. <laughs> Teddy, where's this all coming from? I just... Everything I've ever been taught. I just... Did you, did, do you have Vaughn in your bag, last name? The fuck is a Vaughn? I just... You guys, I really gotta... I'm gonna go off into the prairie and think for a while. Look at the stars. So, so... <laughs> now for the two best cowboy Roosevelt stories. Oh, nice. So the first one involves a drunk gunslinger leveling insults. Ooh. So Roosevelt and some of his companions entered a saloon after a long day of ranching. Oh, and, a, and a, a reminder for last episode, he is not drinking anymore no, he's not at this drinking. point. He had uh, had his one wild so night and, and was like, oh, oh, right. I punch okay. people when I get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Roosevelt drank in one night, partied so hard for the next 30 years of his life. Yeah. He's like, I partied so hard that I never have to do it again. <laughs> yeah. uh, so now there's a guy, there's a man in the saloon who's both clearly drunk and frightening slash annoying the rest of the clientele. Now, when this man, who's wearing a pair of revolvers, saw Roosevelt, he said loudly, quote, four eyes will buy the next round, end quote. Now, oh, Roosevelt... fighting words. Yeah. Roosevelt politely <laughs> declined. Roosevelt politely declines, but the man insisted. When Roosevelt refused again, the man reached for his pistols. Roosevelt swung, and the gunslinger fired his pistols. Roosevelt knocked the man out cold with a single punch, while the wall behind him had two new bullet holes in it. Nice. Wow. <laughs> so when, he's like, he's like, those bullets would have hit me, but I stared at him so hard and <laughs> ran away out of fear. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that's not a thing anymore. Like that, you can just walk into a bar and somebody be like, "You're buying the drink," and be like, "Dude, I, I can't buy a drink." And he just pulls a gun on you. Like, yeah, you are. So <laughs> this feels like robbery. This feels a lot like robbery. I, well, and most like that's actually a thing. Most of the time, like old west bars made you turn in your guns. Mm -hmm. Most towns uh, made you turn in your guns. Really? Like anytime modern gun, uh, like yeah, we're with you. Anytime, <laughs> like anytime, anytime, like a gun rights person's like, yeah, in the old west there was no crime. It's like there was no crime because there were no people. Yeah. Right, like when you have a population density of one per square mile. Yeah. Right. Also. There was a shitload of crime. Yeah. <laughs> crime. I, yeah, I'm sure there was, yeah, yeah. but even but even beyond that, like, but even if even if we like just take that as granted, like, let's just take as as granted that there was very little crime. It's not because everyone and their brother had a gun, mm -hmm. right? There's lots of other reasons why there wouldn't be any. Because again, most towns collected people's guns. Mm -hmm. Like the reason why the the shootout at the old K Corral happens is the lawmen are telling these guys you need to turn in your guns and they don't. Uh -huh. So they confront them oh, and they all shoot at each other. Yeah. Right? Like, it was a thing. You didn't carry your guns into a town. Hmm. Also, because, you, interestingly enough, if you have a bunch of people drinking whiskey might, with guns that can fire six bullets at a time, <laughs> yeah. stand your ground does not... <laughs> and that's the other thing, too. It's like it was, People will be like, oh, the crime rates were... And, and you have to remember... Hoarded yeah, oh, that, crime that's rates. true. Like, yeah. How many times did somebody get fucking robbed, mm -hmm. left for dead, but mm -hmm. then they like found the person later, shot him, but yeah. everybody knew that the person who robbed him, left him for dead, was a piece of shit anyway, so, so no one had said anything. Yeah, so like, neither crime gets yeah. entered in I mean, these are like exactly. minuscule towns. Too, well, that's right? also true. Like, that's the other thing. And again, you know, crime is most often a, a like a. a, a 
a factor of population size. Like the well, larger the population size, the more crime you're going to have. Yeah, just yeah. because by, again, by virtue of there's more people to commit a crime. Not yeah. and, and again, reported oh, crime. Because yeah, one of the big reasons that every single crime, well, I shouldn't say every single crime, but crimes get reported at such a higher rate in cities is because you have entire the institutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those institutions are dedicated and they're not fucking friends with everybody. Yeah. Like I, I'm from like a more rural area and like, how many bar fights have I heard about that never got reported to any cop ever, right? Yep. Because they fought, they literally assaulted each other, mm-hmm. right? And then the bartender and owner is like, get the fuck out of here, drive home. <laughs> yeah. A couple more crimes yeah. right there, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it just doesn't get reported. So, like, rural people are like, oh, it's so peaceful here. I'm like, no, it fucking isn't. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and, so. and then, and, and to your point as well, like, the institutions aren't. 20 miles away yeah right like that's the other piece of it right the police precinct is a couple of blocks away Mm -hmm. where the courthouse Mm -hmm. is a couple of blocks away instead of squads all over the place and there's response times and again Mm -hmm. somebody robs you you shoot them and then just bury them in their backyard (laughs) that's it no crime got reported (laughs) at all for anyone you know what i mean so so later that same winter uh there were three horse thieves who attempted to escape after having failed to steal horses near Roosevelt's ranch. Okay. And they stole his boat. Uh, his, since it's his the, boat? Yeah, he had, he's along the Little Missouri River. Yeah. Oh. So he's along a river, so they steal his boat. Oh. Uh, and since it was the only boat for miles around, right? They're like, we're, we're going to escape by boat because no one else has a boat, and it's the middle of winter, and our horses will probably die. So the thieves must have thought they were in the free and clear. They had not reckoned with Roosevelt. T.R. and his hired hands from Maine, who had been lumberjacks before they were cowboys, built their own boat and pursued the thieves down the Little Missouri River. <laughs> what? Roosevelt went after them with his hands while bringing Tolstoy's Anna Karina and its all 864 pages worth, along with, for some light reading, and a camera in, in order to record his victory. <laughs> wait, wait, a camera? He brought a so camera. Bougie. <laughs> so Did they have to, like, pose for, like... So- 50 minutes before so, they, got the, they got the photo. Is so, he Logan Paul? Like, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to fuck these guys up when we're recording. It's going on my TikTok. Woo! So again... Uh, Logan th- Paul's a piece of shit, so I'm sorry. Th- thinking that they had the only boat for miles, the thieves were surprised by Roosevelt and his posse's rifles, so they captured them. TR sent his hands home with his original boat, and he took the captives himself on a two-day journey to a nearby town to turn them over to the local sheriff. But not before he had a photograph taken with the captives to commemorate his triumph. (laughs) So there's a picture, you can find it, of Roosevelt sitting with these horse thieves with his rifle, like, aimed at them. Um, Okay, serious one? Okay, great. Now let's do a fun one! (laughs) That's an epic dating profile pic. Like, you, you would get all the chicks with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so ranching was not terribly profitable. Severe ice storms over multiple winters killed his herds. Mm. Therefore, he turned to writing to supplement his income. He had to do this uh, since he had spent most of his inheritance on cattle, land, and generally just being a dude from New York, right? <laughs> Brooks Brothers buckskin suits don't come cheap. Uh, thus it was that he uh, seriously dabbled in writing while he was out in the, Dakota, out in the Dakotas. He wrote a book on his Western adventures. Uh, he formed the Boone and Crockett Club, which still exists. The Boone and Crockett Club. Yeah, after Daniel Boone and Davy right. Crockett. Yeah, uh, yeah. For the purposes of hunting, exploration, science, and preservation. For rich white men? Basically, yeah. Basically. yeah. <laughs> Wait, um, the, the listeners can't see I'm doing quotey fingers. Exploration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so we explore the land? 
That's one of the things we explore. <laughs> we explore a lot of other things it's in the Boone and Crockett Club. Yeah. So I love the Boone and Crockett Club. Excuse me. <laughs> Crockett Club. Oh, little Freudian slip there. All right, now sign your name right here, and we'll be doing a lock-in at the local church. Boone and Crockett Yeah, yeah, we're doing a Boone and Crockett lock-in. Um, Everybody bring your sleeping bags. <laughs> Two to a person. Um, so, however, his first... Ooh, it's so cold. His, how are we going to keep warm in this cold ice storm? In the booting car. Why do we keep doing this every episode? And why do I keep doing this? What's wrong? I mean, it's a bunch of dudes out in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. Oh, it's getting it's like, cold tonight, It's easy fellas. to have a broke-back moment situation. <laughs> uh, now, his first, his real first published work was... I've the never n- Rosa felt this way about anyone. <laughs> sorry. My, my, I was going to quit this podcast. I'd be like, weren't you having fun? I'd be like, yeah, I was having fun, except that you kept gayifying all my favorite people in history. I don't have a problem with gay people, but honestly, the history of it is just not true. Sorry. Just like I got all kinds of allegations here on this podcast. <laughs> it's like one by one. They just said, Sherman. Now Washington's doing gay stuff. Now everybody just finally gets You will not do it with Teddy Roosevelt. He's I, out. I was. I was. Uh, I was. Uh, talking to someone and, and, and I was saying we were going to record another episode today and they're like is it Revolutionary War themed? I'm like no because uh, <laughs> did you sound that sad? <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, I went you know it's kind of a roast podcast and I don't want them roasting things I like so <laughs> that's fair you took a chance with Teddy Roosevelt too You're like, yeah, yeah, you know he can take it it's yeah, punching up wanna... <laughs> it's punching up oh that's true hmm. Teddy Roosevelt he was rich yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he, he would probably punch would... the shit out of you <laughs> I don't know he would have laughed you know it's yeah. all in good fun yeah I don't, what, did he uh, would, would he like take himself real seriously or no could he, like, like we'll get to that later there's 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 some evidence he had a jokey streak you know? yeah, yeah he, he, he didn't mind people he liked being the center of attention so as long as you're giving him attention i don't think he really cared uh, so if you're the roasty yeah. in particular roast he yeah. doesn't care yeah, because yeah. it's like yeah, double guns yeah. yeah um so he his first published book was the naval war of 1812 which he published in 1882 it is still used as a textbook at the naval academy at an at an at annapolis oh, they shit. still they still assign Wait, what book is this the naval war of 1812 he okay. wrote this book while he was in college wow uh and then finished it and like it's a very it's again the, the naval academy still issues it or still has their cadets read it wow. so in as an undergraduate he yes. wrote a history book that is still used by the naval academy 140 what, years its, later what's its like apparent value like what so, is it just so one of the things that it uh, one of the things that it does strategy? it's not so much like it's a little bit on strategy it's one um you know, at the Naval Academy, you're going to have to learn the history of the U.S. Navy, mm-hmm. um, and it's a very detailed account uh, of of the U.S. Navy oh, sure. in the War of 1812. Um, and it's a very technically accurate book. He spent a lot of time researching, like, what is the ballistic characteristics of long nine inch <laughs> artillery guns used on 18. 18- <laughs> 
century. Uh, We're starting to get insight as to why Dr. History Scholar likes him so much. So he knew the caliber of every cannon on every ship. I respect that. Fuck, of course you do. So, uh, and, and, and he, he broke down, he broke down, uh, the War of 1812 has a couple of like, uh, it doesn't have any like fleet sized actions because the U.S. Navy isn't big enough for yeah. that. It has a couple of really famous ship to ship, just single ships engaging each other. And he does a really good, he, he very accurately walks through how those engagements worked and he analyzes the, uh, you know, the decisions that are being made by the British and American officers. Also, in the 1880s, there were only two kinds of books on the War of 1812 in, in, in the United States. There were books written by Americans, which were like super jingoistic, right. like America's amazing. We, and yeah. there were British books written about it being super jingoistic in the other direction. Right. And like the War of 1812 was actually, for its time, being that it's the 1880s and that it's Teddy Roosevelt, it's actually a pretty balanced, balanced book. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Uh, you know, he's still pretty rah-rah America. Yeah. Like we, and he's also making the argument we need a strong modern Navy, yeah. right? Like that's part of, that's that's one of the sort that of through lines. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah, you need a strong modern Navy. Um, Calling so, stations around the world. Yeah. 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 Um, so in total, Roosevelt would write around 25 <laughs> books, more than any other president. He wrote wow. 25 books. Oh. Uh, he also wrote innumerable articles for various publications. Uh, so he, you know, was like kept on retainer by multiple newspapers and magazines to write articles for them. Nice. Uh, by 1891. He, uh, no. no. Uh, by mm-hmm. 1891, he had published eight books on ranching, Wait, hunting. He was writing this in the boonies. Yes. He, he wrote, just... yeah. That's what he would do uh, at night. If there wasn't like if there was no one around, like the uh, his like ranch hands moved out there as well, and they built their own houses, and they had families, they had like wives and children. So <laughs> he he's like sitting alone in his ranch house, he's like, well, I guess I have nothing else to do. And they like kept I, popping over, like, hey Roosevelt, you want to hang out for a little while? I'm trying to get away from the missus. He's like, I'm writing a book, get out of here. Like, Damn it. Well, and again, he's like, I can't be alone with my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that that's not okay. Well, and Adam, you you. You taught in China, right? You were in a, like yeah. a city, though, right? Like you yeah. Had, oh, okay. In Peace Corps, it's like I, I, I went from like a two out of ten guitar player to a five out of ten guitar player, <laughs> like pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just fucking sitting here, you know what I mean? It's like the same with like you get a law degree in prison, you know what yeah, I mean? Like it's because yeah, you're yeah. just sitting you there. So, you might, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so for the rest of his life, regardless of what he was doing, he was always writing something. Uh, he told Henry Cabot Lodge while he was out in the Dakotas, "quote I'm a literary feller now." Uh, end quote. I'm a literary feller <laughs> now. Yeah. Nice. Did he? Have <laughs> he to, was like, picking up the dialect. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. He did that thing where, like, when rich people like they have like a six month sort of transition period before mm-hmm. they're like finally like you're rich and you go to Jamaica mm-hmm. and at first you're just like ring ding ding whoa you know what I mean and then eventually like hey party boy shut up and like you just know it now he's like we go chat my friend hey so Rose like, that is the whitest guy who's ever spoken like that in the history of the world like, but boy shouldn't you be doing that uh-huh. <laughs> ah, he's cool he's got the best Weed. So, <laughs> Roosevelt's life changed in a big way in 1885. That year, while visiting his sister Bammy in New York, he met again by accident Edith sorry, Carroll. Michael. His sister, what? Bammy. 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 Did we cover this? What's her actual name? I don't remember what her actual name is. I feel bad. 
Yeah. This so is the one taking care of his kid. Yeah. Uh, so reading care. through the lines, her family didn't love her though. <laughs> they named her Bammy. Aww. They're just like, oh, do you want to be a, a? Do you want to not have your own family? <laughs> Name me Bammy. Do you want to be a? <laughs> so uh, he met by accident his uh, Edith Caro, his childhood sweetheart. Uh, they met in a way worthy of a romantic comedy. On the stairs of Bammy's house. He, he had a meet cute? Yes, he, he did. Cute. Uh, as on the stairs of Bammy's house, as he was going in, she's coming out. And they, like, lock eyes. But they can't stay to talk because he has to go into the house and she has somewhere she needs to be. And so they would meet more frequently uh, oh. until he proposed marriage. Uh, they kept their engagement secret for a year before getting married, because uh, you have to remember that Roosevelt opposed second marriages. Mm. He didn't, uh, you know. Now, admittedly, he's doing that sort of. He's very Victorian. He's very Victorian, but he's also like that sort of. You know, I, I'm almost positive I was this way when you're like 22, 23. You you decide you have really hard and fast rules for things that you have no experience with, mm. like because you've mm. thought about it in the abstract. Yeah. You've never experienced it, but yeah. in the abstract, that seems like it'd be a bad idea. Cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You guys didn't wrestle with that as younger no. people. Oh. Yeah. God damn it! You know what? I'm calling my real friend Army, <laughs> and we're gonna have a whole conversation about it. Army Hammer. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> So, so Rose. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it over, uh, around the grill. You yeah. know what I mean? With a, with a nice Keontae. Yeah, yeah we'll talk. <laughs> What's his name? The serial killer? Oh, Dahmer? Dahmer. Mm-hmm. From Ohio. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, Indiana. From Indiana, yeah, by yeah, the way. Indiana. Oh, Wisconsin's got so many fucking. They all come from other places to hunt. <laughs> right? Because we're so nice. Mm-hmm. They're like, come on into our cabin. They're like, oh, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> victim. All right, victim. <laughs> a victim, the whole state of murder victims is all of Wisconsin. Is. Cannibalism. That's, that's <laughs> Indiana's contribution to America. <laughs> it's, that's Indiana's contribution to Wisconsin. Not America. Wisconsin specifically. So, so Roosevelt would write to one of his other <laughs> sisters about Edith. Uh, quote, Bama? Edith, uh, different one of his sisters. Uh, I think Kareem. Bam- Did he write? Bammy. Bammy. Bam- Did he write, does she like me? Yes, no. Boxes. <laughs> a little check. Like me. <laughs> uh, he wrote a letter and you would fold it up and it would be like a little yeah. device. You'd be like, yeah, does he love me cookie. with the, the fortune cookie? <laughs> yeah, a little, not a fortune cookie, the paper the, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what those are called? I think it was what it was called. Uh, what did we call them? Fortune I don't know. Uh, something or other. I thought if we do the rhyme and move the paper, then open this. He likes me. Yeah. That's what he did. That's what he did. No. Uh, so he said of he said of Edith uh, Doctor Sage's historical scholar is ignoring it. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to dignify that with the response. I'm taking the Teddy Roosevelt road on this one. <laughs> so quote Edith was sweet in in many different things. I don't think even I had known how wonderfully good and unselfish she was. End quote. Roosevelt would later state that Edith was, quote, the real happiness, end quote, of his life, and that she, quote, kept him in order, end quote. Edith and Theodore loved each other passionately, but unfortunately, only two of their letters survived. Edith burned the rest after T.R.'s death. Aww. Yeah. Um, with she the, burned his letters? Yeah, like the, their letters to were, each other. Yeah, oh, those were the hot ones. Those were the spicy yeah. ones. And, and the, the quote about uh, her keeping him in order... It, 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 there's a funny joke about that later 
that Ro- when Roosevelt had his attempted assassination, right, he, he gets shot while he's running for president in 1912, and mm-hmm. he's recovering in the hospital. And, and part of his campaign had been against, you know, the political bosses. He'd been fighting against, quote, boss rule. And he's talking to these reporters in his, in his hospital bed. And he goes, this whole, this whole notion of being against boss rule is a sham. I've never been so boss ruled in my entire life. <laughs> His wife had been like, no, you are not leaving this bed. Like, yeah, you yeah, need yeah, to stay yeah. here. You need to recover. Teddy, the trick with bullets is you have to get them out of you first. <laughs> yeah. You can't just keep going. That one stayed in him for the rest of his All life. Right. They I'll never stay t- here, but you're gonna, I'm going to write you some yeah, naughty we're, letters. Yeah, we're gonna, so, I'm going to write you the naughtiest letters you've ever written. We're going to correspond this shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> So before he could marry, we're gonna we're gonna have sex, but with letters and text, we're gonna call it sexting, and that's when Teddy Roosevelt invented sexting, right, Michael? That's what happened. Quilt penning. <laughs> Ooh, it, it writes luscious words and tickles at the same time. So before he could marry. <laughs> When I when I reveal the when you personal bring up lives, and yeah, yeah. Well, it, it gets also, inappropriate. The, honestly, it's their fault for burning the letters. <laughs> the letters probably weren't yeah. even that bad. So we like, are gonna have to speculate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they would have just let us read them, <laughs> and we would have understood what yeah, her head nothing, game was. Nothing you know to what? hide. Nothing to hide. Yeah. Um, anyway, like, Teddy Roosevelt can dive the puss like he's Olympic. <laughs> Athlete, 10 out of 10. 10, 10, 10 10s all across the board there, Teddy. So I love the uncomfortable yeah. look. <laughs> if I can wrangle a cow, I can wrangle a clitoris. That's just how life works. So before he could marry, Roosevelt had, a, had another duty to attend to. Okay. Uh, running as the Republican candidate for the mayor of New York City. Oh, never mind. He can't eat pussy. <laughs> no Republican has ever. <laughs> Where? Republicans can't eat pussy. Everybody knows that. Uh, he's, running, he's running for mayor of New York City. Did I? Uh, who so, else studied political science? I did. It's my minor. Oh, well, that's what kind I, of my Repu- major. What kind of Republican? A Lincoln Republican? All he's he's a uh, anyway. So it was it was a <laughs> every last it was a, it was a duty and not an opportunity because as Teddy put it, it was quote a hopeless contest end quote. It was a three way race between Republicans, Democrats, and a party called the United Labor Party. So the Democrats nominated Ooh, I'm glad quote, they won. Uh, <laughs> the Democrats nominated the quote rich and upright uh, Abram S. Hewitt. Uh, and he was an anti-Tammany reformer uh, and a steel magnate who had operated his mills at a loss during a recent recession so that his workers would not be thrown out of a job. So, like, he had run his steel mills unprofitably for, like, five years. Wait, um, Roosevelt? No, this, the, guy, the Democrat he's running against had oh. run his steel mills. Who, who was this? Abram S. Hewitt was his okay. name. Um, and so, consequently, he was very popular amongst working-class voters. Uh, the United Labor Party nominated Henry George. Now, George was a kind of quasi-socialist who advocated a single tax on land. Mm. Uh, he was also fought very popular amongst the working class. Mm. Uh, How about that? And I don't count him as an actual socialist, given that in the 1880s, a socialist was someone who followed the idea- ideology of Marx and Engels, while George had developed his own political economic theories. Like, he is the, the there's like a, there's a school of thought in American sort of political economic history called Georgism 
which is Henry George talking about, about this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's talking about his ta- his idea that there would only be one tax to be a tax on land. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very popular amongst poor people because they didn't own any land. Yeah, yeah. Um, and very unpopular amongst rich people because they owned, owned all, all the land. They owned every last. That's yeah. weird. Uh, so Roosevelt decided that his only chance for victory was to portray himself as a reformer, quote, oblivious to party, politics, class, and color, end quote. Mm. This Ooh, did not Society ne- neutral it, or it didn't <laughs> society work. blind? It didn't work. As he wrote to Henry Cabot Lodge, quote, the better element have acted with unscrupulous meanness and a low partisan dishonesty and untruthfulness, which would disgrace the various machine healers, end Sounds quote. Sounds like, oh, they were mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what he, who he's really mad at are, are middle and upper class Republicans who were so like they wor- were assholes. He was. They were all so worried about Henry George or George, uh, Henry George winning that they defected to the Democrats on mass. Mm. So Roosevelt comes in third in this election. He he pulls behind Henry George. Uh, he never. So let me guess. It was like it, it was probably a lot like modern politics now, where it's like mm-hmm. of the upper middle and upper class, like you know, we'll say leftist party yeah. in this particular case, half of them are like NIMBY. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, wait, you want black people? Mm-hmm. Here? And, yeah. then, mm, and then they were, and then the other half are just so scared yeah. that like the other side will win that they like yeah. abandon kind yeah. of like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so he, he comes in third and he never mentions it in any autobiography that he ever writes <laughs> that he ran for mayor of New York. Wait, like he just, 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 he just swept it yeah, away. Just that, was like, nope, just blocked it out. Okay. That's points away from him. Yeah. Come on, yeah. own your mistake. <laughs> Just like Adam constantly hitting the microphone stand. (laughs) You have to own your mistakes. So, part two, the walrus or the carpenter. So, after the... What? I'll explain it. I know you will explain it, but like... He assures me he's never done drugs, but I don't believe it, actually. It's a secret. (laughs) After the sting of defeat came the bliss of... He is the walrus. 
Is that what John Lennon was uh, <laughs> singing about? That was about it was about Michael actually right before. John Lennon knew he'd be born one day. It's like one day there will be a Doctor History scholar to break all the Doctor History scholars. Cuckoo, could you? All right. No, I think we need I to listen to him now. <laughs> yeah, fair with, with, with the mustache. So, so after after the sting of defeat comes the bliss of remarriage. On December second, eighteen eighty six, in London, Theodora and Edith were married. They had a small ceremony with only Roosevelt's sister in attendance. His best man was Bammy. C- I think so. Bama. Bammy. Bammy. Bam Bam. Jesus, Mary and Joseph Stalin. I don't know why this is bothering me so much, and I think the reason is is you like I've I've marinated so much in in like Roosevelt history. Like she's really nice. Like mm-hmm. she's this like a really nice sister. Like takes care of his daughter for a couple of years and is like really sweet. And so you guys keep making fun of her name, and I'm like, come on, guys, she's really nice. Like yeah, she we're not making deserve. fun of her. <laughs> Making fun of the dumb fucking name her parents gave her. <laughs> At the wedding, too, when it was like, I now pronounce you man and wife, did Roosevelt just give Bammy double guns? And she was like, Bammy! <laughs> it wasn't even her name. It was just her catchphrase. <laughs> Bammy, and, and, it Bammy. Got, and it got written down so many times with story. they're just like, it must be Bammy. <laughs> so Roosevelt, your weird. son has died in World War One. Bammy! That was not the time. <laughs> It's not that the time for Bammy. So, <laughs> so his best his best man was uh, Cecil Spring Rice, a British diplomat and future ambassador to the United States. Now, Rice and Roosevelt had met on the boat trip over and became lifelong friends. Like Roosevelt meets this guy on the boat over to London and is like, "Hey, I think we're best friends now. Do you want to be my best man?" Um, like, <laughs> they, wait, they, right before the wedding? Yes, right before the wedding. They had a British American stepbrothers moment. Yes. On the, like, are we best friends now? <laughs> yup. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so uh, Edith and TR then took a 15-week honeymoon in Europe. Upon returning, Edith was pregnant with Theodore Roosevelt Jr. Wow. And Teddy had accepted the job of civil service commissioner of the United States. Uh, Edith would also insist on adopting Alice into their family, sure, sure. right? So she uh, wanted to make sure that she felt at home. Uh, so the family moved. Fifteen week honeymoon. Yeah, they're fucking. Yeah, when you have when you have money. Oh my yeah. god! I, I, went on, I went on a two week honeymoon, and we were like, like to another country, and we were just like. Are we being stupid? Are we being financially <laughs> responsible? Are we idiots? Should we get a house with this money? Uh, spoilers, we couldn't. We couldn't afford it. <laughs> we yeah. still can't. You made the right choice. Yeah. Um, so the family moved for the first time to Washington, D.C. And regardless of his physical location or his public position, Roosevelt always maintained that his family was more important than his success. Now, whether or not this is true is open to some interpretation, but he certainly believed it. What happened to his ranch? He had to sell all of that. Like, it was insolvent. Uh, he he lose uh, his his western adventure is is entirely a bust he he has to sell all of his land he sells off all the cattle uh it, it doesn't turn into anything he for the rest of it for the rest of his life he's like it wasn't the journey or the money it was the friends we made along the way meanwhile those assholes from maine are still in south dakota like where did he go no he, he <laughs> i'm cold like, i'm stuck here <laughs> So do we just make a house? Were they just like, like leading those Boone and Croc uh, exploratory missions out there? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, they I, were the Boone I, and Croc th- Club. And I think, excuse me. The, 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 the Boone and Croc Club. I'm sorry. Croc-ish. 
Brooding, the Brooding Cocket Club. The exploratory <laughs> yeah, yeah. missions. Yeah, so they anyway, had to make sure they knew how to all explore. Kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> one Exploring. Day, one day that fucking door over there is going to get kicked open, and it's going to be a fucking seven foot four dude and his seven foot three wife, and they'll be like, those were our ancestors. Lumberjacks from Maine. And they're just going to fuck us up. They're like, you guys, the podcast isn't worth it anymore. <laughs> We've hurt too many people, <laughs> ourselves included, <laughs> by the transitive property. Anyway, so so civil service reform was the great battle in American politics between the end of Reconstruction and America's entry into World War One. There had always been a clamor for some kind of reform, but the catalyst was, as I mentioned at the beginning, the assassination of President Garfield in 1881 by a man who thought he'd been owed the job of Secretary of State. So ben, uh, President Benjamin Harrison... He was like, hey, I'm owed this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm owed this. Yeah, I got uh, it. All right. Huh? All right. I'm a you should hit the fraud. You should hit the button. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We're doing sound effects. So President, so President Benjamin Harrison, a Republican, appointed Roosevelt to the position of civil service commissioner in 1889. But in 1893, when Democrat Grover Cleveland won his second term, uh, Roosevelt was kept on, so he served both Republican and Democratic presidents. Roosevelt believed that his job was, quote, balancing the evils, end quote, of the two parties since both parties ran on patronage. The reason patronage was key to both parties was because the clients rounded up voters and they donated portions of their salaries to the party that had appointed them, right? So if you're given, you also had, there was no need to actually be good at your job. Right, you, you you know, you'd be like, and you could just, if you were made postmaster of somewhere, you could just be like, I don't even know how to read, but, you know, that's what I got assistance for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to collect that paycheck. Um, so Roosevelt stated that choosing between Democrats and Republicans on the issue of patronage was a choice between, quote, the walrus and the carpenter. Now, I, I had I had to look this up. Yeah, I don't. I and I didn't understand. Oh, I, it I actually do. I so, it's an Aesop's fable, if I remember it's, correctly. It's um, it's from. A note on this quote. I had to know what this was. I believe that Roosevelt is referring to the poem, The Walrus and the Carpenter, that appears in Lewis Carroll's sequel to Alice in Wonderland, Through the Looking Glass. So in this poem, a walrus and a carpenter come across some oysters on the beach and convince them to follow along. Eventually, both are revealed to be predators who then eat all of the oysters. In the story, Alice, Tweedledee, and Tweedledum discuss who is worse, the walrus or the carpenter. They end up deciding that both are terrible. Now, I think that Roosevelt really liked Carroll's work because during the coal miners' strike in 1901, he insisted on having a member of the labor union on the arbitration board. Um, And the owners rejected this. But then Roosevelt said he was appointing him not as a union man, but as a sociologist. The owners then agreed. And Roosevelt said, the quote, the mixture of relief and amusement I felt when I thoroughly grasped the fact that the operators would rather have anarchy than Tweedledum, but if I called him Tweedledee, they would accept it with rapture, end quote. So he's like, yeah, they, they, he has a tendency to quote Carol's work, Tweedledee and Tweedledum and when things not, like that. Is it the drugs? Once I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this where it's like, so it worked, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, I feel like... Same thing happens all the time with Elon Musk or, I don't know, mm-hmm. like, let's hypothetically say some billionaire, like, built a submarine and it imploded and killed a bunch of people. Just hypothetically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, 
everybody in America treats billionaires as if there's these goddamn like genius. They're all mm-hmm. geniuses, mm-hmm. and they've oh, they'll get one over on you, and they mm-hmm. know everything inside and out, and blah blah blah. Elon Musk is a dipshit. Yeah. Like he's not that smart of a guy, or maybe he's no. like reasonably his, intelligent. His track record is pretty terrible. It's not great, and like yeah, great. He's like the world's richest man because he essentially did like a bunch of like weird. Like Tesla was going to he fail. He benefited from other people's like breakthroughs. Yeah, and not only that, but like Tesla was going to fail, and then he was like starting SpaceX, and then all of a sudden a bunch of the SpaceX invested money gets like moved around, yeah. and it props up Tesla. Like he essentially started all it. Like it's all just a fucking weird like Ponzi shell game. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the there's no reason to believe the capitalists of the past are any goddamn different. No, so right. I love that Teddy Roosevelt is like. Yeah, we're going to have a union representative. And they're like, oh, someone from the union? No, we refuse. And he's like, oh, okay, no. Mm, same guy, same guy, but he's a sociologist. Oh, I know a couple of them. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, one of them was a professor for me in the school that I didn't like do well in, but my dad donate a bunch of money yeah. like it's just fucking ah yeah. oh, they're so dumb All so right. so as civil service commissioner roosevelt worked with his by now familiar usual manic energy he instituted better exams for posts and vigorously defended his work one rejected civil servant said that when applying for a post uh, post office job he'd been asked how many rings encircled saturn Roosevelt looked into the matter and responded that the applicant had been looking for a job as assistant astronomer. (laughs) What does this have to do with anything? (laughs) Roosevelt nearly doubled the number of civil service jobs, adding about 25,000 posts as civil service. As the sun revolves around the earth, this is nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) He was simultaneously popular and despised for all of this. On the one hand, he was seen as a very fair administrator, but the machines of both parties began to hate and fear him. For the first time in his life, Roosevelt had genuine executive experience, and it would turn out to serve him well. D.C. wasn't all work for the Roosevelts. T.R. loved it there. The city was small enough that he could easily dominate the social scene. Right? He is very much a big fish in a small pond. Uh, How? That's, you know, we all live in D.C. That, or, like, in the DMV yeah. area. So, like, that's so weird to think about. That, yep. like, someone could be, like, bigger than D.C. society. Like, it's just, like, yeah. that's insane at the time. What was yeah. the population of D.C. Uh, at the time? Not, I, don't, I don't know, but he's coming out of Manhattan, which is oh. clearly the largest yeah, city, yeah. like, by, by a very long mm-hmm. distance. There mm-hmm. isn't anyone really close to New York in terms of its population. Um, and that and all of his best friends lived in D.C. So these included Henry Cabot Lodge, the senator from Massachusetts, Cecil Spring Rice, the British ambassador to the United States. A couple of lumberjacks. Uh, they, I think they moved back up to Maine. They were, they were, they were, they were like, come to D.C. And there's like, there's no wood to cut there. Really. They're, also, they're also like 20 years older than he is. Oh, shit. Yeah, really? like because oh, nice. he went up there when he was a young man and they like sort of took him under his like they were like surrogate fathers almost oh, sort of thing. Um so uh, Henry Adams, the grandson and great grandsons of presidents, John, uh, of, of different presidents, uh, J. Donald Cameron, the senator from Pennsylvania and the son of Abraham Lincoln's first Secretary of War. So his uh, father had been a- Abraham Lincoln's Secretary of War, and then John Hay, Lincoln's private secretary and the future Secretary of State for Roosevelt. So John Hay will become his Secretary of State. Uh, and I have a, a note here that John Hay had an affair with Henry Cabot Lodge's wife, which, pro- which Roosevelt almost certainly was unaware of, 
given his extreme dislike of extramarital affairs. I don't think he would have approved of his best one of his best friends cheating on the wife of another one of his best friends. Scandal. Mm-hmm. How would he have even resolved that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Would he, would he, would uh, I think pistols. Would uh, no, no, he didn't. He didn't never. He never fought a duel. Also, dueling is very illegal by the 1880s, 1890s. Uh, kind of dumb. Um, That's too bad. Uh, he almost certainly. I think there would have been uh, like a very, very stern talking to. Which may or may not have been listened to. Wasn't wasn't Tr also like a boxing guy? Like he was. Maybe yeah. they would have like resolved. <laughs> he might have, like, he might have just knocked. Like, he might have just knocked John Hay out. Good old fashioned, like, like uh, here, let me make you feel boxing. better. Punch, 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 <laughs> punch. So, uh, so Tr and Edith uh, entertained guests about twice a week and went over to other people's houses about three or four nights a week. So this sounds awful to me the idea of like non-stop socializing mm. like i could do that for maybe one week mm-hmm. and then and then i would be like i don't want to see anyone for a month now yeah but nobody ever <laughs> but gave tr him. total war you know what I mean? <laughs> like, nobody's like hey tr this is a game called total war you want to pretend to be a medieval king and take over the you know you'd like, be like oh yeah they'd be like wait a second who needs politics and then <laughs> <laughs> so visitors to uh to the roosevelt house joked that they either needed a horse or hiking gear to keep up with teddy <laughs> uh, Roosevelt himself enjoyed all of these dinner parties, and, 18, and by 1895, when he left, he weighed 200 pounds and joked that he looked like a walrus. All of this, yep, all of that is the, apparently the joke of the episode. You're more of a carpenter. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so all and all of this left Roosevelt. All of this cost Roosevelt immensely. He left DC twenty five hundred dollars in debt, which is roughly fifty thousand or more in today's money. Oh, so he left DC with student loans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of people leave DC with student loans. That's a- but he was always the life of the party. And Henry Adams, who I think was just jealous of him, said that on the one hand he was quote pure act end quote. But on the other, he was, quote, a new kind of creature, only recently discovered, one that radiates warmth and attracts men as the sun attracts lizards, end quote. So I think Adams was just jealous of the fact that Roosevelt was always the center of attention. No, and that <laughs> happens sometimes, like, yeah. where there's people who are so, we have a mutual friend, I won't say her name, but, mm-hmm. like, works on the Hill now. Yeah, yeah. I know and they're so intense, mm-hmm. and they're so in your face, and they're so, like, kind of, like, like leave it all on the table, mm-hmm. that people think they're bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, no, yeah. nobody's actually like that. Like, no, no, they actually are like that. They mm-hmm. are, they mean what they say. And yep. they, yeah, yeah. So in 1895, Roosevelt's term as civil service commissioner came to an end, but he already had another job lined up: police commissioner for New York City. <laughs> Part three: okay. the Caped Crusader. <laughs> Wait, what? Please tell was me. Like Commissioner Gordon. Like, <laughs> he went to Saks Fifth Avenue to get a utility <laughs> belt. Brooks Brothers. Brooks Brothers. Yeah, really. He went to Brooks Brothers to get a utility belt. Options of and some bad ears from Brooks Brothers. Quick, somebody find me a guy named Alfred who's British. <laughs> <laughs> I need help. Hey, Cecil. Get that, get that, get that. <laughs> Anyway, so in 1895, Roosevelt was appointed a police commissioner for New York City. Now, at the time, the commission had four members, and then they would elect a president um, among them. Roosevelt was quickly voted to be the president of the police board. He threw himself into the work, working from 9 a.m. until at least 6 p.m. and sometimes as late as 8 p.m., which apparently was unusual. Like, he was there all day. Uh, During the weeks... (laughs) He would stay. Wow, somebody should yeah. put some of them on my contracts. 
Yeah. Oh, you only worked from night. <laughs> Whatever. So he uh, during the week he stayed at his sister's house in the city, but he went home to Sagamore Hill in Oyster Bay, which is where he'd been building this house, uh, this very fancy big house for his family on the weekends. And Sagamore Hill was the great mansion that he had planned to live in with Alice Lee, uh, and renamed it from Lee Home to Sagamore Hill after her death. He commuted by train, and he'd ride a bike, which was a recent invention, to and from the stations. Uh, he was thick. Did he have a bell? Did he have a bell? Probably. Yeah. To like, you know. Bling, bling. Yeah, you gotta let people. <laughs> was it like those, uh, the, like the bicycle crazy. with the big wheel? I the small one. <laughs> the big one the small one. <laughs> Out of my way. One day I will storm a hill in Cuba just like this. And he's all fast. <laughs> so, in all, in all seriousness, it was probably a, a, like a normal looking bike because this is the 1890s. So, I think they'd gotten to the, the normal looking bikes by this oh, point. They didn't do the big wheel bike. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how did that start out with the, You know, it might make sense to have a really big wheel in the front and what a small one in the back. Like that. <laughs> I think it was both. I think it was basically just a lot of like. Uh, you know, like it, it was like a lot of penis measuring. You know what I mean? Like it was like, oh, but my big, my front wheel's bigger than your front wheel, and it just grew and grew until all of a sudden, some French guy had this ridiculously large big wheel, and everyone was like, "This is God." Yeah, we just this is two regular size wheels. <laughs> oh, a French guy's got the quote biggest wheel, oh, and everyone just gave up on it. Uh-huh. Like, this is dumb. So um, like, he was he go, was go float a fucking balloon through the sky. <laughs> <laughs> go around the world in 180 days, you weird asshole. He was uh, Roosevelt was thick necked. He had a thick head of hair that was cut short. His high hoarse voice constantly dictating or conversing. He was well dressed, permanently tanned from his time in the West, and quote not to permanently be permanently tri- tanned. Yeah, like he had that kind of because uh, he spent basically three or four years permanently outside you're saying sun damage basically yeah. <laughs> i think you're saying black yeah. i think you're saying black is that not what you're saying it's not i Are misunderstood i'm sorry t- a sun bathed no like just sun, i it would he would have had a, he would have had like a farmer's tan <laughs> well, yeah, i don't mean to bust balls too hard adam but like you're asking these questions as someone who's obviously never worked outside for a long <laughs> fucking time like, what do you mean? The sun changes the way your skin looks? Wait, if you use tools, your hands get harder? Oh, I didn't understand. It's like, god damn it. Is it like carpal tunnel? I get a lot of carpal tunnel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Call so, me out. East yeah, Coast I'm sorry, elite. I'm sorry. East Coast elite. Man. You're a little god bit damn. of an East Coast I'm elite. I'm a dandy. God damn you are elite. a little bit of a dandy, but you know what? I'm going to work that dandy right out of you. We're gonna get you painting fucking fences and welding steel. I you're gonna your, your blue collar magic. Cause you're gonna look more masculine than the construction worker from the village people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna turn you right around. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> so he's permanently tanned and quote not to be trifled with except by cartoonists who had never had a better time plying their trade end quote so one cartoon showed roosevelt as a pit bull or a bulldog with the caption quote he's all right when you know him but you've got to know him first end quote oh i bet he looked at that and he was like fuck yeah bro <laughs> he was like, that's me who's this guy i'm sending him <laughs> Uh, other nicknames and depictions from cartoonists were Teddy the Scorcher, and another one put him in an old Dutch outfit lighting a corner street lamp and startling a sleeping policeman. Wait, 
Well, hang on. I yeah. love Michael Dutch. will occasionally <laughs> just say shit like that and like look at us like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they just move on. And we're like, no. What is Wait, why? Why is he dressed Dutch? Because his he, the Roosevelt family is Dutch, and in the eighteen oh, nineties, right. people still cared about where white people weren't white people yet in the eighteen mm, nineties. Yeah, that's true. We were a bunch of different kinds of people who <laughs> yeah. were like real arguing real hard about who was fairies. the best. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that joke from Family Guy when, when Peter talks about the founding of Coag and he's like it's to be a land f- of freedom everyone will have rights well not everyone only white people not only not just not any white person only good white people like from northern and western you know what only white people from England Scotland Wales and Ireland you know what only the right places of England Scotland Wales and Ireland you know what no rights for anyone nobody gets any rights yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's why they put him in this like Dutch garb because Roosevelt is, is that Dutch that was a slight Kind of. I'm Dutch. Yeah, we know. You've, oh, have I told you? Yeah, that you've mentioned it a few times when yeah. when the Dutch come up. You're like, hey, as a Dutch person, I guess I have to be pro this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have to be pro the exploitation of the southeastern islands in their world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got to get all that nutmeg. Yeah. That tasty, tasty God. nutmeg. As, as a Dutchman, we just love the nutmeg. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we make our schnitzel. <laughs> so, Roosevelt's signature activity was the night walk. He would go out at night wearing a black cape. That's why I call him the Cape Crusader. That's why it's called the Cape Crusader. He'd go out wearing a black cape, wielding a cane, and prowl the streets with reporters looking for misbehaving cops. He found... God. (laughs) I I actually... I kind of like this. It does kind of rule. Yeah, it's very... I would love to... He found found cops asleep. He found them drinking on the job. He found them visiting brothels. On one occasion, he was awake for nearly 40 hours straight. He used these walks and their accompanying stories as a bludgeon for police uh, for reforming the police. It also made him one of the most famous people in the country, because these reporters were put in the newspapers. But he also got out during the day and saw how people in New York City actually lived. He visited tenements with Jacob Reese, the author of How the Other Half Lives, yeah. which had been an expose on mm. the poverty of New York. He met with Samuel Gompers, one of the leaders of the nascent labor movement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Between seeing how people lived and how workers were treated, Roosevelt started using the police as agents of reform. He closed tenements for violating health codes and enforced labor regulations and safety laws. Wait, wait, but if he closed the tenements, then where do the people go? Just like other tenements? I'm, I'm, I'm not honestly Scattered. sure, uh, but I imagine that you know you have to like tear down the buildings, build new ones. Or or re redo the buildings. They found some bridges or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh wait, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting New Jersey's right next door. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> like, just go over there Busy. for a little while. Um, I hear the shore is nice. Yeah. Uh, Hoboken. <laughs> You're Irish. Sakakis, yeah, keep Sakakis. going. Keep going. Yeah. Um, wait, wait. And if any Italians come, that's, have them. That's, have them. You know, follow. They're all you. descendants of ten- destroyed tenements. Is that? <laughs> Yeah, but in all of you know, this, just the Italians and the Irish, <laughs> not the Dutch, obviously, or the Germans, as we're about to find out. What? Or the Germans, as we're about to find out. There's but Germans it, in tenements. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there the, there is an area of. Uh, now, I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, but there's an area of 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 New York in the 19th century that was called Kleindeutschland, mm. which means Little Germany, because it had so many German immigrants in it. Mm. Um. Now, uh, in all of this, he was hobbled by the fact that he was in an executive administrative capacity and could not get new legislation passed. Mm -hmm. Like, he could only enforce the laws that were there. 
Uh, but as before, Roosevelt's biggest battle was over corruption. The police in New York were well paid, but even still, they took bribes. Roosevelt discovered that one chief of police was worth the astronomical sum of $350,000 in 1895 dollars. He was, of course, fired. <laughs> there, was, there was no way a police chief could have made that much money legally. Hmm. Uh, the NYPD had somewhere around 38,000 posts, and they could be purchased for anywhere between $315,000. Wow. But, of course, someone could easily make back all of that money. The police had a budget of $15 million, and about $10 million of that came from corruption of one kind or another. Yeah, that much back then? Yes. That's, that, that's in current dollars? Or that's in that was in their dollars, I think. Wow. This well, was, I mean, after that sh- all... That shit all works the, the same... F- no, it all works it's not the like same. Like they had the technology, like like I mean, and the equipment and shit that so, they have now. I don't. You know. had to have more, a lot more people. Um, like when we talk about beat cops and there being a cop on every street corner, that's a thing you had to do in the 1890s because because oh, you didn't have cars. To drive yeah, around. you didn't have cars. You, no radios either. Yeah, yeah. you had. That's why to put, they all had those dumb fucking whistles? Yeah, so you they have, whistle <laughs> to the other. You cars have you have whistles, uh, but you also have the fact that like theoretically, the reason the NYPD are so well paid is to prevent bribery. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the one of like the the tensions in any sort of like democratic society is like how much do you pay civil servants? Mm-hmm. Right? Because there's like the argument is always like well they work for the taxpayer. They don't actually create anything. The taxpayer pays them. Right? And the argument the other and like I kind of get that because that means everyone's taxes have to go up, right, to pay for these people. But if you don't pay like for instance judges really well, a then private prison will, or yeah, or or, yeah. or a organized criminal enterprise right. or will uh, pay a Jay Gould, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or a Jay Gould or a Cornelius <laughs> Vanderbilt will pay you really well, right? So so there was an attempt. Like already, New York is attempting to make its police less corrupt by doing, for instance, giving making their jobs paid well enough that they wouldn't have to take a bribe, right? Yeah. Like. Because you could make the argument, like, in the 1850s and 1860s, a policeman might be like, well, this is literally the only way I'm ever going to be. Like, I can't make ends meet right, without right. the bribes. Um, no, and, and the, the, one of the big problems, especially in policing in big cities like that, and I can't speak to the time because I'm not exactly yeah. sure what, like, the illicit mm-hmm. traffic was or whatever. Booze. But, like, I've, what's that? Booze. Booze, yeah. It's, but, like, I mean, it's probably pretty similar, like... New York is famous in the mm-hmm. 70s for having yeah. like one of the more corrupt. corrupt police forces ever. And one of the problems was that like when you're a police say you pay your police officer $100,000 a year. They're making yeah. a great salary, they're very comfortable, right? <laughs> There's still just so much profitability to being corrupt yeah. because yeah. like like I heard a podcast a long time ago with an, like an ex-corrupt cop and he was like yeah we would drug bust all the time yeah. but we'd never put it on the books and the reason is because yeah. we would do the drug bust mm-hmm. right like we would find the drug dealer or whatever mm-hmm. and they would have all their money mm-hmm. right so we'd take that and mm-hmm. now we have all their money but then also we would take all their drugs for free mm-hmm. yeah. now we have all their drugs then we'd send them we would give the drugs to other drug dealers yeah, that yeah, were like yeah. uh, you know friendly. sensibly yeah. friendly or whatever they would sell those drugs to other people mm-hmm. then we would 
fucking get a part of get, that yeah yeah then no no, no but then oh. they would go and bust the people that had just bought <laughs> yeah, the drugs yeah. taking their money and drugs <laughs> yeah, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like weird yeah. yeah yeah and it's like you can't what salary can compete with that so, like profitability it still happens with, with cops and civil forfeiture well, oh, and, that, all and the fucking, oh civil forfeiture just legalized that practice so basically. and this is and 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 at least from the Rooseveltian part of this this is where like the energy of oversight comes mm. in right roosevelt is like constantly moving around trying to enforce these sorts of things so in an attempt with to his cape yes because <laughs> <laughs> he, he does like real dramatic flourishes like yes. off to go find the he really should have amped up the drama yeah. 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 he had a cape and uh, uh roosevelt, a cane and roosevelt else? loved drama he loved drama he again should, my did favorite. he have a top hat as my, well no I, he didn't yeah. have a top hat the cape was to like keep him hidden it's a black cape, and he's uh, walking around at night. Mm-hmm. Um, was the black like, face paint like to keep the him? Of him of God damn it. Spreading his uh, cape. He's like, I'm a man. <laughs> he's like, gotcha. I, I am the knight. <laughs> it's weird. No, I actually he like listened. sneaks up on some cop falling asleep, and he's like, I got you. He <laughs> goes, goes down the building like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I listened to a recording for this episode. I recorded uh, listened to one of, there's only like a few audio recordings of TR and I was trying to get the really? voice right and it's really fucking hard because yeah. he's it's nasally mm-hmm. but not all that high pitched it's like it's not like ah, I'm very nasally it's yeah. more just like and in the course of the <laughs> like he's yeah. got this very like, east coast like mid Atlantic but yeah. nasally so mm-hmm. it's just like ha yes now we have to go against the blah 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 and it's very it's very hard to I tried very yeah. hard to be able to uh, re- recreate yeah. it and I can't because I'm not a good enough person that's probably on true. the inside <laughs> at my core <laughs> so in an att- I'm no Bammy I'll tell you that much <laughs> so in an attempt to rein all of this in TR introduced new exams for policemen and by 1897 when he left the department he's only in new york city to do this for two years 40 percent of all of the cops were classified as civil servants an increase of four or five times so like he rapidly expands the civil service there the exams tested an applicant's knowledge of reading writing history and geography some of the failures would be funny if they hadn't wanted to be cops. One potential cop answered the question, what are the five New England states with, quote, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, spelled like the animal, and cork, which, which is one, only four places, not five. Another, an- another answered the question, quote, upon what instrument is the government of the United States founded, end quote. And instead of the correct answer, the Constitution, they wrote, paper. <laughs> do we have any more we have one more yeah. a final failure was asked who would perform the duties of mayor when the mayor was absent or incapacitated they answered president roosevelt <laughs> no, no so it. All right. roosevelt also carried on the 19th century republican tradition of appointing african-americans to jobs and defending large numbers of white people while doing so but tr said they had passed the tests and thus were capable of wearing a badge there New York's New York City cops had helped oversee elections in the 1800s, and by oversee I mean help to steal or ignore, ignore the stealing mm-hmm. of elections. Mm-hmm. I gotta be honest, uh, just to go back a little bit, that's pretty rad. Like, mm-hmm. the, like to just be like, like at the time to be a person in power and be like, they passed the test. Yeah, yeah. like that what the fuck do you want? You know what I mean? Thing. Yeah, like, like no. Yeah. 
no bias one way or the other. Like he's mm-hmm. obviously not being like an activist, yeah, so no, to yeah. speak. Like he's not. We're gonna put a bunch of people of color in this. Like, but but he's like. I did a test. Yeah. It was a hard test. Is, they passed the test. Go fuck yourselves. Like yep. it's very yeah. That yeah. was that was that tended to be his his view on 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 civil rights more or less. I remember most there of the being uh, I think it was a different history podcast or said something about TR where it was like at the time he was a progressive on race <laughs> in that he wanted all the races to have a big fight and see who would win. <laughs> More or less. Like everyone else would be like, well, we'll win, obviously. And he's like, will we? Will we? We should probably prove it. You know I mean? Have you seen the Japanese? Uh, what's, his, what's his answer? They're getting real intense, you guys. We're going to have to worry about this. This is going to be a problem for us in about mm, 30 eight. years. My cousin will deal with it. So Roosevelt's reform. Uh, so, so the police had helped steal or ignore the stealing of elections throughout the 1800s. Roosevelt's reform led to the first clean election in that city's history in 1896. So 1896 is the first election in New York City's history where they're like, we're pretty sure no one cheated. <laughs> and it was the last one in New York history. <laughs> in 1896, Roosevelt's reach exceeded his grasp. A law that had been passed uh, that year, a law had been passed closing saloons on Sundays. A quick explanation is, I think, necessary of sort of like the ethnopolitics of temperance in the late 19th century. Ethnopolitics? Yes. Oh, this is fun. Yeah. So Republicans tended to be dominated by what were called piestic Protestants, who tended to be. Teetotalers. Yeah, they tended to be dry. Right, mm-hmm. uh, Democrat. The Democratic Party. There was a lot of like, it's essentially Methodists. Yeah, Methodist yeah, Baptists. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. that sort of thing. Uh, the Democratic Party was supported by the majority of the country's Catholics, and Catholicism Irish, has yeah, yeah no in- it has no issue with drinking. Now the only immigrant well, it doesn't say it has an issue with drinking, <laughs> but everybody kind of yeah. knows. So the only. <laughs> I love the Catholic, the whole Catholic Church. Like, if all the the sects of Catholicism were like a family, mm-hmm. in S E C T. Okay, thank you, thank you. But they're all a family at a family reunion, and then Catholicism just walks in, and they all look at each other like, "Oh God, Uncle Catholicism's here!" Woo! Yep. <laughs> My birthday is it? It's Christmas, Uncle Catholicism. <laughs> Jesus's birthday. Break out the brandy. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the only, the only immigrant group who supported the Republicans in any large number are Germans, hmm. uh, many of whom had fled the reprisals of the failed 1848 revolutions hmm. and saw in the Republican Party the ideals of a strong democratic state that they had wished to create in the German states. Hmm. Okay? Now, one more piece of background. Teddy's brother, Elliot, had been destroyed by alcohol. Roosevelt himself would partake, but only slightly, and he normally didn't mind other people drinking. Right, he's not a prohibitionist. He, like, he dies right before prohibition goes into effect. But mm-hmm. like, he didn't think it was a good idea. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is that Elliot had quote abandoned his duties. Right, he left his wife and daughter, Eleanor. Eleanor mm-hmm. is Elliot's. If you're gonna be an alcoholic, be a functional alcoholic. And and he's got again, he's got this sort of Victorian, this, this these Victorian sensibilities. Propriety, he'd left his yeah. he'd left his wife Duty. and daughter for a mistress. Right, um, and eventually Elliot commits suicide. So it is very likely that the destruction of his brother uh, colored Teddy's view of drinking. Right, like that definitely is part of it. So Roosevelt decided to enforce the Sunday Law with his usual vigor. He deploys the police and closes down all the bars on Sunday. Uh, while he ex- succeeded in the enforcement, it was a pyrrhic victory. He rapidly became the most despised man in New York City. Uh, and there's, there's, the fuck you do? 
fucked up, man. Do something. I want to get a Bloody Mary. What the fuck you doing, Roosevelt? Jesus Christ. This is someone, New York. Someone mailed him a bomb over <laughs> this. Okay. Yeah, someone mailed him a bomb over this and oh, tried to kill him. Wow. Uh, and the other one, I mean, my, don't fuck with booze, man. That, <laughs> that's that's a my my, my <laughs> one of those red yeah, lines. Bomb, huh? <laughs> and um, this is this is you were asking, you know, would Roosevelt care about you know being made fun of? Uh, and this is I was like, there's a thing about this. So a bunch of Germans threw a parade protesting, like they had a big protest oh, march yeah. protesting mm-hmm. the Sunday Law, uh, and and they invited Roosevelt, thinking he wouldn't show up. Right, they like extended him an invitation. Hey, do you want to come to this? And Roosevelt's like, yeah, absolutely. And Roosevelt spoke German badly, but he spoke German. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, uh, in, in his defense, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure Germans speak German badly. But yeah. <laughs> so and he he stood center stage. He's enjoying all this attention. And there's this German going by who thinks that Roosevelt isn't there, yelling, "Voest Roosevelt, where is Roosevelt?" And Roosevelt hears this and and being able to speak German shouts, "Ich bin here." Mm-hmm. Right, like at the guys, like no, I'm right here. Like I'm exactly where you can you can find me. Um, and the police hated enforcing the law, both because they thought it was stupid. Right, they didn't uh, want to. Uh, they didn't want to. Like a lot of them were working class guys as well. So yeah. like they don't. They think this law is not a good law. But mm-hmm. they also that was part of like the Sunday law had existed for a really long time in other forms. And it was, you could easily make a lot of money taking bribes to just mm-hmm. ignore the Sunday uh, law, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. bartender would just, you know, the, the owner of a bar would just pay you. To, to the point that it was probably just a matter of course for yeah. most cops. Like, yeah. you know, oh, it's Sunday. So yeah. you make your rounds. You yeah, get you your, collect your money for yeah, the Sunday yeah. law. Um, it's extra payday. I mean, so, I was talking before about how profitable yeah, corruption, corruption can yeah. be in those places. Literally, your job is just to walk around and have people hand you money on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's not hard. It's exactly. just like you're making your collection. Yeah. 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 And, and so Roosevelt put a stop to this. So police don't particularly care for it. And most industrial workers at the time worked six days a week with only Sunday as their day off. Uh, those workers used that day to unwind, and the bars were centers of working class life. Like they'd hold political meetings in there, and like you'd bring your family. Like it wasn't weird in the 1890s to like have your kids sometimes, like in New York City, to have your kids in the bar with you. Also in Wisconsin yeah, right yeah. now, <laughs> it's all of the Germans. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, any brewery. No. And and so a lot of like I said, a lot of these workers were German. The Lower East Side of Manhattan was called Kleindeutschland, Little Germany. Uh, it had nearly 50,000 Germans in it at the time, and this was normally a solid, re- these were normally solid Republican voters. They had voted for, they'd always been in the Republican camp. In the next election in 1896, the Republicans abandoned, uh, the Germans abandoned the Republican Party to the tune of nearly 30,000 voters. They never came back. Well. Republicans in New York, tired of Roosevelt's antics and appalled by the Sunday law disaster, wanted him out. Hmm. They stonewalled him until he resigned. Right, so they basically just get the other three guys on the commission to just mm-hmm. not do anything. Roosevelt, oh, that must have been fucking aggravating for <laughs> yeah, a guy yeah, like yeah. that. Like, yeah. like the uh, what's a, like what's the word I'm looking for? The the um, lack of power. The like uh, being a lame duck kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, just like you're like you have all the passion in the world, mm-hmm. but just none of the power to yep. do anything about yeah. it. Oh my god. So Roosevelt was not to be on the sidelines for long. He reached out to his friend Henry Cabot Lodge, who got him nominated to the post of Assistant Secretary of the Navy in the new McKinley administration. Roosevelt in 1884 had assumed he was to be a bachelor local politician for the rest of his days. By 1897, he had, in his words, quote, risen like a rocket, end quote. He was one of the most powerful men in the country and would now have access to federal military power for the first time. 
The time of his crowded hour was rapidly approaching. Oh, military pop. Oh, wow. Oh, is that the end? That's the end. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. So it's a real... So now, now it's, you know, maybe, maybe, time, maybe it's time for Spain to you know, do some dumb shit. Yeah, yeah, dumb go shit. to hell, right? Because yeah. yeah, we got to remember the main. Well, yeah. the, one of the dumber wars, I would say. It was a pretty dumb war. Well, <laughs> minus the fact that, like, we got a lot out of it. Well, right? no. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, we, we oh. took advantage. Uh, yeah. yeah. We, we, it's a dumb war in the sense that it didn't need to be fought. Well, it was convenient. Right. It was a convenient war yeah. to get things that we wanted. Yeah. Essentially. And we lucked out in the fact that Spain couldn't hit water if it fell out of a boat in 1897. And, and there is an argument to be made that, I don't know, it's hard to make the argument when you consider what happened to the Philippines after because, you know. Um, <laughs> it's not funny. I'm it was, sorry. It was real bad. It was real bad. Real, real, and it was bad. a lot of, I mean, it basically, you look at. What America did in the Philippines, um, it looked a lot like what not Belgium good. did in the Congo. Yeah, it not looked, great. Yeah, not great. Oh, it looked like what the Spanish had done in Cuba, right, which right. was ostensibly why we got into the war. I know. It's so tricky. And, and uh, you know, a shout out to Dan Carlin, the history podcaster. I love him very much. But his uh, episode, uh, The American Peril, mm-hmm. which is basically talking about, like, how do you have, on one hand, a country who having coal stations all over the world and being able to project power and all that mm-hmm. normal real power mm-hmm. real politique type of stuff mm-hmm. is still a huge benefit you know you want banana republics mm-hmm. on your hemisphere you want all this stuff your business like like easy access to resources blah 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 but at the same time you're a democracy founded on the idea that all men are created uh, on, equally uh, at, in an anti-colonial anti-imperialist revolt yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's real tough to just be like like so all of our like colonial endeavors started as anti-colonial endeavors and then it was just us being like well we don't know what to do with the philippines now so we're gonna hang on to it for a while and we'll give it back you know when well i mean you know and unlike you know unlike a lot of the other um european colonial powers like the philippines itself had a date by which it was supposed to become independent Mm -hmm. like the united states said before world war ii like in 1936 we said, in 10 years, you'll be independent. Like, there was a date. Mm-hmm. Um, and the United States probably, like, the way the United States liberated the Philippines in 1944, when it took them back from the Japanese, mm-hmm. destroyed Manila. Like, the Japanese dug into Manila, yeah. and, and the United States essentially had to level the city in order to take it. It would have been relatively easy, I think, for the United States in 1946 to be like, you're not ready, and to, like, hold on mm-hmm. um, in 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 that kind of way. And the United States didn't. It was like, okay, you're a country now. Um, Mm -hmm. And from 1936 to 1946, the Philippines had, um, was essentially independent. Like it had its own government. Um, It just didn't have a foreign policy. Mm -hmm. Like the United States maintained its. America was able to hold on in other ways. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, we, we created military alliances with the Philippines and we're no, allowed to... No, but corporate neo-colonialism. I mean, there's that, that too. Stuff. But I mean, like, but those are... It's like, firing with dictators. That's fair. That. You know, there's, there is that. Like, but what I mean, what I mean by all of that is, is like, those are... Even, even in taking those as true, like as writ, those are different things. 
right? Like they are not the same thing. You're right, right but sometimes this like colonial, like the American colonial, like like mm-hmm. self reflection or like rationalization, mm-hmm. it sounds a lot like a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, oh, it's like, no. totally different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we did heroin. <laughs> yeah, we like to rock some H to our veins, but you know, only after the Pesh Mode concert. It, it, it like, wasn't black tar. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't black tar. Was doing it, man. Yeah, it yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, we did it way less than our friends. Our friends were like way into it, and we were like, "All right, just like a little bit here and there." Only, you guys, only on days ending in Y. but not even that. Like we, yeah. we would legit look down our noses at England and France and mm-hmm. Belgium and be like, "How dare you be these terrible colonial empires?" Yeah. But then at the same time, like literally, well, and the continental United States is, is like an, a is an force imperial of, project. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an imperial project. The Dakotas. Yeah, California, like yeah. the whole, well, like no, the and whole. It's thing. well, and it's you know the idea that um, you know when when we when we say that the United States was isolationist before World War One, <laughs> it's like tell that to Mexico and the Native yeah, Americans, yeah, right? right, right, right. right. Yeah. Um, but at the same, we are t- isolated to exactly fifty percent of the entire world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was um, so isolated. But, over here. but then, you, but you also have to you you still have to take that with the the other part of it, which is that. What we're talking about here is the difference between when we say America, like, look down its noses on, on, you know, the British or the French for having colonial empires or the Spanish or the Belgians or whatever. Most of the people who are looking down their noses at the Europeans are also criticizing the United States for having a colonial empire. Yeah. Like Mark Twain is, for instance... Yeah, you know, it, it, yeah, he was very uncool with the was, occupation of the Philippines. Yeah, he was yeah, like he, he he would be he could be real mean to the British and the French. He also didn't like yeah. the way the United mm-hmm. States had an empire. Whereas, like the people in the United States who were in favor of American colonial expansion tended to look at Britain and France not down their noses. Like mm-hmm. Henry Cabot Lodge was was a big fan of the British. He thought yeah. the British were were great, and he is and he was the last like one. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, but the but the point being that like we need we need to we need to sort of disaggregate those two things. Where very rarely does and and again, you know, the United States at the end of World War II, Franklin Roosevelt makes it really clear to the British and the French that their empires are going to have to go away. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we cannot have fought a war against fascist imperialism only to maintain the largest imperialism. Well, to maintain the largest empires in the history of the world. Like Britain, like the British and the French combined own most of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he he was very clear that, like, you you can't Churchill was like, but I thought we were friends. (laughs) And and Roosevelt I thought you and I had drank enough together to be homies in (laughs) CIR. Oh, last time I share a cigar with a Yankee. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, but that's that's the thing. We just had our first audience member, you guys. <laughs> Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm sorry, we'll end on this? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I just, it's, it's you know, we have to be able to, to, to separate those things. And, and again, you, you have, like, that would be like saying, you know, the United States fought it in Vietnam for 10 years, right? And but then that would the I don't think the anti-war people were hypocritical, right? In in the sense that they were opposed to the Vietnam War. Like it's not their fault that the government of the United States kept being involved in the war in Vietnam, right? Like they still 
did a bunch of protesting about it like yeah but it's collect yeah but you can make an argument that it's like collectively our fault for oh, not yeah. being against it I enough mean, as a people and that's like, true but then I, i'm gonna end this episode yeah. by uh, agreeing with osama bin laden <laughs> 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 but he he basically he was asked about terrorist attacks against civil populations right and mm-hmm. this was before 9-11 he said they're democracies right they're all responsible for the bullshit they've done and and as much as he was a piece of shit and no one should be like him or agree with him but i'm gonna anyway uh but like <laughs> but know. he has a fucking point I'm if you're a democracy england was more or i should say great britain was more or less a democracy when they were like conquering the boars and starving the indians yeah. to death yeah so are we gonna say that the people who had voting power in that country aren't at least partially responsible I mean, for the evils that happened there i mean i mean you know i think they're you know that's a uh, that's a hard it is a hard question to like answer right i mean you know the end of world war ii did the united did the allies hold all of germany and all of japan responsible and the answer was no like that was actually the point of the trials the mm. war crimes trials were not to hold the entire population guilty of collective the crimes punishment? Well, it was not meant to be collective but punishment wasn't that it was meant argument to be- wasn't that argument a little bit not just that like we're we're not holding them fully responsible but that like your average german or japanese person has suffered enough like no for, it wasn't so even for that. whatever they're guilty of they've already <laughs> suffered more i mean beyond, that, maybe but like, the the bigger i think the bigger thing was is they're like we need to have you need to have an end point because if we hold like because a lot of people i think sort of morally held in 1945 and 46 held every german and every japanese responsible for mm. every crime those states had committed during the war but for, on a legal basis that's not practical mm. so you can't prosecute the whole country you can prosecute key decision makers people right. who had actual power to do things but speaking again to my point is germany and japan were not democracies not japan right? so was whole, kind of one. japan Really? Because how many democracies have god emperors? <laughs> Japan, Japan, like, in, in all seriousness, what I mean by that is, is, like, Germany took the step in 1933 of abolishing its political parties. Mm. Japan never f- formally took that step of abolishing political parties. Now, they did force all the political parties into a single political party <laughs> in the middle of the war, like, as a national unity thing. Um, Sounds a lot like abolishing political parties, <laughs> but... Uh, but again, it's... It, <laughs> There is a the only the only reason I'm saying there's a difference is that the Nazis were never coy about being a one party state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like the Japanese did a whole like song and dance around like, well, theoretically later you'll be we'll have a, a democratic process mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um there's also the fact that again, in in both of these cases, you would say, you know, they're not democracies, sure. Right, but then the United States, you know, we say the United States is a democracy. Okay, the average person gets one vote. Mm-hmm. Right, think about the last presidential election. Okay, last presidential election had 155 million votes in it. Mm-hmm. 155, 160 million votes in it. Can you honestly, let's say the vote had gone the other way, like because you're in favor of. I would imagine if you had to vote between the two. Uh, destroying the entire uh, uh, bourgeoisie class. Uh, go on. <laughs> but with, with, the, with the two options. Uh-huh. Biden uh, or Trump. D- destroy the entire bourgeoisie you only class have or two. don't. Those are my two <laughs> options or don't do that. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Biden or so, Trump. Yeah. So the point being that if the vote had gone the other way, would you be responsible for, for Trump being in power? Because you'd voted the other way. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, I, I'm just... 
uh, not not to like say that that citizens in a democracy don't have a responsibility like a moral responsibility to try to correct their governments but like you have elections you have civil engagement but like i think are you supposed to overthrow your government every single time that they decide to kill a million people in a foreign country maybe (laughs) right maybe that's the fucking move i mean france has had like fucking how many republics like five five plus a couple of empires and kingdoms in the middle yeah and the tricky thing about france too is they did like in latin america they've had you know well, but 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 what I'm saying is France has the same fucking problem we have, right? Is they would have this big revolution all about like the universal rights of man or whatever, and meanwhile they're like, oh yeah, but what about Haiti? Or Algeria? <laughs> we're make a lot of sugar in Haiti, so we're just gonna yeah, pause yeah, a, on the universal a lot of, rights. Like, of man. Exceptions and yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, and, it's, it's, it's always real world. Like where's the fucking like qui bono as uh, uh, Cicero much, Cicero would have said, yeah, who yeah. benefits? Yeah, right? and it's yeah. always gonna. Anyway, we we should circle back to this episode. We should circle what, back what to lesson, a jerk. What? <laughs> to a real any, circle any back jerk. Any, any lessons learned? <laughs> Did we, uh, oh yeah. What, what, what have we uh, <laughs> gathered about uh, TR, or what did we learn today? So, so I think one of the one of the things with with Theodore Roosevelt in this particular period of time, we're in the, the first half of like what I would when I was teaching, I would tell my students that Theodore Roosevelt might be like the most qualified person to ever be president. Because when you stack up his resume, and he's the youngest person to become president. Wait, not the was he a businessman? <laughs> <laughs> was he, did he run a business? Was he a CEO? <laughs> that's that's stupid. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the Amer- main American qualification. No, but <laughs> but he he went from being, um, you know, in eighteen ninety, uh, he's. Uh, the, he's a rancher. The, he's well, a the, well, he's but he's the civil service commissioner of the United States in in eighteen ninety. Uh, by eighteen ninety five, he's the police board commissioner of the largest city in the United States, like the co- police commissioner of the largest city in the United States. In eighteen ninety seven, he's assistant secretary of the Navy. In eighteen ninety eight, in eighteen ninety nine, he's a colonel in the United States Army. Uh, he's also governor of New York in eighteen ninety eight. Uh, to 1900 and then in 1900 he's vice president of the united states he has a resume in 10 years that takes some politicians decades to put but together he also had very powerful friends he had power he, it helped that that social network i'm sure oh yeah, i mean yeah. what, he went to yale or harvard he went to he went to harvard and yeah, he I had mean, he had social network will absolutely set you up regardless I mean, i've benefited your... about that much from my uw eau claire social <laughs> network well, no? and, 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 the, and his network like he absolutely like the reason he becomes assistant secretary of the navy is he reaches out to henry cabot lodge right yeah uh to to i want to blow some shit up yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got and, just the job for you. I mean, if, if those main like uh, lumberjack guys mm-hmm. aren't making their way, into yeah, but that they also circle. I, 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 again, <laughs> no, they, they, yeah, they, 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 I don't. They didn't follow up to DC. I don't think they would have wanted to. Like, they barely wanted to go to South Dakota, let alone DC. Like, they liked Maine. No, so they uh, made, they made the decision. Like, God damn it, he's gonna die if we don't go with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. trip the shit. Out of <laughs> what an East Coast elite thing to do. God damn it. Um, hey guys, you know, uh, if you don't go out with me out to South Dakota to be a rancher, I'll probably die out there. <laughs> that was actually, I think, my best TR uh, impression so far. You know what, guys? Google it. It's a pretty good speech, I have to say. I think it was during his um, like late populist yeah. term or whatever. Where he, yeah, when he was yeah, writing so, in 1912. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it was his 1912, and it was like him just basically being like, 
rich people suck. <laughs> he does. He does get to that. Yeah. He does get to rich people that, suck. I'm, yeah, I'm waiting. For he gets that. a little commie towards the I'm end. I'm waiting yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in for that. Did I let you finish your point? I'm no, sorry. I just that that he we're in the first half of of this sort of rise his to be Phoenix. Yeah, he's it, co- he's coming from the ashes. Yeah, of and his wife. Wife. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where Phoenix is coming from? <laughs> I don't know the lore. <laughs> he went from a low low to a rocket. Yeah, a rocket fueled by grief. A little bit, yeah, and depression, and and and, and, dude, unre- and unresolved and unresolved mental trauma, and, and exploratory missions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the what? The, the Crockett the, Club? The booty? Cock? The booty? The booty Crockett cro- Club? <laughs> he started. He started the booty Crockett Club. <laughs> And they've been exploring ever since. <laughs> happy Pride. Oh, sorry. Pride over. Yeah. Yeah, happy Pride, everybody. Pride's over two days, but still, Happy Pride. We missed. We we didn't record in June in solidarity with people who have to be in silence. <laughs> right, guys. Right. Can we declare that yeah, retroactively? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good justification right. for just being too busy. All right, I'm glad we did a pause there because we're probably going to have to cut that out. Let's yeah. pause it one more time. And, and any other lessons learned, Kunin? Um, if you're going to start a ranch, don't have ice storms. Make sure there's no <laughs> ice storms, I guess. That's a lesson learned. I think if you're going to crack down on the police, mm-hmm. wear a cape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, I am pro cape. Uh, <laughs> I am the knight. That was just him. Just like he ran. Lily <laughs> runs into Otto von Bismarck or whatever. And he's like, I was born in the darkness. You only adopted it. Otto von Bismarck himself. is the bane of, yeah, yeah, in really the is. most literal sense of yeah. late 19th century Europe. <laughs> he is the bane of Europe, both figuratively and realistically, and also like kind of cool though in a cool yeah. way. Yeah, I'd have party with him. Yeah, he yeah, seems if he was like a swinger. He I swapped the first national healthcare system, right? Oh yeah, did? but only but only to fuck over the socialists. Mm. Like that was it was it was not because he liked. He yeah, thought that it was, poor, very, it, was uh, it was it was so that pe- yeah, it was so that people wouldn't vote for the social democrats. It is amazing that, but I mean, <laughs> no, no, you know, so, a lot of policies have been done by people who oh, just yeah. did it out of like accommodation or you know. Yeah, I mean, half of co-op. what FDR did was yeah, like, listen, yeah, guys, if we yeah, don't do this, they're yeah. gonna put us yeah, against yeah, a yeah. wall and shoot us <laughs> yeah. like a bunch of Russian <laughs> nobles. So again, I think that the difference is, and and you know, you might we can quibble over it, but it's like it's intention, right? Roosevelt genuinely believed, like Franklin Roosevelt genuinely believed that like the common man had been dealt a really poor hand and that it was the responsibility of the government to like help them out and like had a mor- there was a moral impetus there. Bismarck is taking the argument of like the only way we can maintain a strong militaristic state is if the so- is if the proletariat doesn't shoot us all. So we need to give them health insurance and, mm. and, and unemployment so that they won't overthrow our divinely anointed king so that and, and, and abolish our army. Like to maintain a to maintain an imperial state. Like there, there is a little a, bit of a fear of that in America. No, no, no. That, that fear is real. That that's true. Stuff can exist. You can have two thoughts at the same time. Roosevelt did what? fear. Roosevelt did fear revolution. Right. There's a there's a quote apparently when he's going to his first inaugural address in 1933. Um, 
or he's either leaving the address or he's going to it and his one of his staff is like had looked at the speech and goes mr president if this works if the hundred days works you'll be remembered as the greatest president who ever lived and he goes and if it fails i'll be remembered as the last Mm-hmm. Right, like he, so, yeah. There is a fear. He was afraid of Huey Long in mm-hmm. 1936 mm-hmm. because he goes, Huey Long is out promising me. I'm putting that in air quotes. Yeah, yeah. Right, but like to say then to to say that that then meant that Roosevelt didn't believe in the New Deal. Roosevelt did believe in the New Deal. He thought it was there was a moral there was a moral impulse there. He also believed that if like actual communists or actual socialists took over, they wouldn't do as good of a job. He didn't think that that was the right way to go. Um, whereas again, since when? No, I'm just kidding. Whereas, whereas Bismarck, whereas Bismarck, by contrast, is is essentially bribing the population of Germany mm. to maintain the status order. quo, of, uh, yeah. like to maintain order, to maintain the status quo, mm. and he is going to his backers, his wealthy like noble backers, and being like, "We need to do this, otherwise, you're all going to be shot." Mm. But he's not accompanying that with anything like. Yeah, Germany has, in 1914, Germany has universal manhood suffrage. Every German male over the age of 21 can vote, Mm. which is true. And the Social Democrats in the German parliament in 1914 are the largest party. But the way German constitutionalism had evolved, the Kaiser didn't have to listen to whoever was the largest party in the Mm. Reichstag. He routinely ignored them, Mm. right? Like, so, so Bismarck had created the trappings of democracy and the mm. trappings of like socialism yeah, without yeah. any of the actual substance, yeah, the substance. right? Yeah, like the power hadn't shifted. At no, all. not yeah. at all. Yeah. It's um, kind of actually what you see uh, China doing a little yeah. bit right now, where they say, <laughs> or like, even Russia. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a like a f- China almost more. But I guess the China po- doesn't even have. Well, I guess they have elections on the like very local level. Right, yeah. right, and and then those local elections move up into the party structure, mm-hmm. and so there's this ostensible yes, we are all representing the People's Republic of China, but but what they did in the last twenty years that's been brilliant is they all of the social stuff they've really loosened up on. They're like, oh, you want to be gay, be gay. Oh, you want to watch porn, watch porn or whatever. You want to have nice Western clothes, have nice Western clothes. You want to have shopping. You can do all that stuff, but the power, Mm -hmm. the actual like institutional power and who makes the rules hasn't shifted at all. And you can trick a population by being like, you ease up on the laws, you ease up on the rules. There's no cultural revolution in China anymore, right? And like, Adam, you know more about this than I do, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like, if you make people feel freer in their daily lives to kind of just live however they want, then they don't give a shit who has power and like whether or not they have power in the political system. So long as and, to and, a degree. And the only the only caveat to that is is as long as everything goes okay. Right, right, right. right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's the problem with that mm-hmm. with that system well, is the, the economy. Uh, yeah, either the economy or or natural as, disaster or, or as, war. Yes, yeah. The Russians are finding this out. It, with with their war right one of one of the things that you, we you mentioned at the beginning what do, what do i think about what happened with wagner and and russia one of the most fascinating things is that basically no one in russia cared right like putin has theoretically created this like cult of personality he's apparently really popular and like the people of you would think that there's at least some portion of the russian population who'd be really nervous about him having to leave power or that the army like and this is again to compare him to the most successful attempt made uh on on hitler's life 
is the July twentieth plot in nineteen forty four. So in July on July, Valkyrie. yeah, the Valkyrie plot. Yeah. Valkyrie. Yeah, the Valkyrie plot in nineteen forty four. Uh, it comes the closest to killing Hitler, and the reaction of the of most Germans in nineteen forty four was, "How dare anyone try to assassinate the leader?" Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas the feeling in Russia is like, and this is in nineteen forty four. Like, the war is clearly yeah, not going, going very well. Poorly, yeah. Very poorly. And the reaction of the average German soldier in the field is, how dare those blue-blooded officers try to kill our Fuhrer? Mm. Whereas the reaction of the Russian army to the Wagner mutiny, attempted coup, revolution, whatever you want to call it, is meh. Right? I've like, got $30 on the over and under. <laughs> uh, Wagner. All right, so take a bets, take a bets, let's do it, take a bets. I, I have no money, comrade. Uh, one know. bottle of vodka. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think that's that's our show. Yes. Yeah. Right? All right, that's uh, our show. Yeah, uh, um, yeah everybody, again, uh, we love making this podcast. We'd like to make it more often, so like and subscribe. Uh, leave a comment if you like this episode. And share. Follow us on Instagram at laughinghist, H-I-S-T, or Twitter, laughinghist, H-I-S-T. That's our show! That's it.